I get nervous for some podcasts. This one, I was like, my stomach was rotting in the inside. <laughs> we lost the idea of a man leading the house, and that's gonna fuck us up completely. I got the paranoia from my mom's side. Oh my God, did my mom make me paranoid? The next day, I'm going 100 hours a week. It's game over. I already love this interview so much. <laughs> I go 17 months with no that was my biggest addiction. That was my God. And you were one of them in the beginning. You're like, nah, I don't f with Andrew Tate. How was that being in Germany in a refugee camp? What is that like? How dare you put it on me? That's on you, your policies, your tax code, your principles that you took God out of school, your concept of trying to teach immoral concepts to kids. That's you doing it. How dare you make us feel guilty about it? So we walk on eggshells. You should be walking on eggshells. No, I'm not buying it. Pat, if I ever look at my phone, it's because of my notes. I'm not texting don't anybody. Don't sweat it. Okay. <laughs> When's your birthday? January 3rd. Interesting. Can I ask you why did you just ask that when I asked you about the Because notes? you are concerned about how I feel when you check the phone for me to not be uh, paranoid that you're not paying attention to me to disrespect me. Why would you be concerned? about It's interesting to me. It, uh, I'll tell you right now. It's yeah. easy. I, kid, I have points of views in my life and you have points of views in your life. Yeah. For us to sit down, break bread, discuss great ideas, you have to be at your most comfortable state. But Listen, but that, that is... It's common sense, but some people have that. Uh, so that means you're going to be a great father for your daughters. Dude, that's the best compliment. Aww, really you're going to be a great father I already love this girls. interview so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so your much. The girls are going to love you. I actually, uh, I, it, it's hard to say this without feeling weird, but I, I treated her like how I pray one day the guy that walks into my daughter's life treats her. Um, and it's just the form of, it's, I don't believe in karma and the dharma and all that stuff, like whatever comes around goes around. I don't believe in that at all. I just believe truly in my heart, uh, Christ died for my sins and for me to be grateful, I'm going to wake up every day when the sun rises. Today's a, de better, a day for me to be better than the day I was yesterday. Respect. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it's, you know, if that's what you would want for your daughter, then how can you want something for your kids and not be that as well, you know, so. Gotta set the example. Um, we had high energy right when you walked in. And I, I'm gonna be honest, they know this. I get nervous for some podcasts. This one, I was like, my stomach was rotting <laughs> in the inside. <laughs> it's because one, Aturayat, Assyrian. So it's like, I, there's so many expectations right off the bat. So like, right when you're like, I like you, I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, the whole time, he, my manager back there, he's like, what, what are you trying to get out of this? I'm like, I just want to make sure that we get along. I want to make sure he likes me, dude. Like, I, yeah. like a lot of people could force their opinions about me before meeting me. And uh, no, you're a cool cat. I appreciate you're, you're that. You're a cool cat. You said you wanted to get into something. And then so we started rolling. I want to make sure I didn't lose your. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's stored. It's going to be here. I'm, I'm... <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I, if, if we're going to start out, I would love to start out with uh, a thing that me and you both have uh, that I pray to God that America starts developing. And so there's a few uh, topics in my mind I want to cover. And one, first and foremost, is being an Assyrian man, right? Because I don't get to have this type of conversation. Yeah. I get so jealous when she's like walking around and she hears French people. And I'm like, yo, what are they saying? And she's like, oh, they're saying this and that. But she's so casual to being able to hear her yeah. own people. And I go, you don't understand how awesome that is. Like for you to just walk by and casually just hear what this person's saying, it's it's something that I, I wish I had more. I, like, and there's some places that have, like Toronto has a lot of people, uh, uh, Chicago has a lot of people, mm -hmm. Detroit has a lot of Assyrians. Um, but man, when I, when I immediately messaged you because I was so proud of watching another Assyrian man like, like just keep going up higher and higher in this world. And I have so many questions. But the one question I wanted to ask you right off the bat, how important is community? 
Very good question. So my uh, my dad is a Syrian. So, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Let me just. Yeah. So my my dad is a Syrian, Bet David, right? Yep. The House of David. But my mother's side, they're Armenian. So it's it's there's pros and cons to it because there's two communities you have to be respectful for. Yeah. And God forbid you go too much one side or the other. The other side, wait a minute, what happened here? What happened here? <laughs> but uh, um, as an Assyrian, when you feel a certain fire in your belly, the history, what we've done, the people that came before us, the mistakes our generation made, the things they did right, you, you have a responsibility to represent that community in your own way. But also at the same time, uh, the one person that played a very big role in me dealing with my own community of Assyrians and Armenians. So I'll give you on the Assyrian side. On the Assyrian side, there's a lot of political parties, right? They got the church people, you got the club people, you got the, you know, old timers, you got the new school, you got the, if you know what I'm talking about, there's of all course. these different political parties in the Syrian. And it's like, you're either too young or you're not part of this church or you're not part of this or you're not part of this. So I don't like restrictions and having to walk on eggshells because I don't live a good life like that. Mm -hmm. I read a book by Kirk Kikorian. I think it's called Hustler or something like that. Phenomenal book, by the way, how this guy went from being a regular guy. One day he's flying a plane. I think he's flying Bugsy or Ben Siegel to Vegas and back and forth. He's listening to the conversation. Then somehow he gets involved with the mob and then he gets into the airline business. Then he sells the airline business. Then he gets into the casino business. Then all of a sudden he dies. I think at the peak, his net worth was like $10 billion. Dies at 98, 99 years old, still doing deals. And in one point of his life as an Armenian, he gave a lot of money to Armenia. But no matter how much money he gave, it was never enough. And it was always like, but you didn't do this, but you didn't do that, but you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. So to me, I, I, I was in the middle as the kid who wanted to love my mom and love my dad, okay? And that trained me very well to know when on my mob side, when they would play politics and they would say, well, you know, he's an Assyrian, he's not Armenian, he's an Assyrian, he's a bad David. And then I would go to this, and they would say, oh, Adam so he's an Armenian. He's not. So those games, I was very young when this happened, and I, one day I, I sat my uh, dad's side down, and I was 9 or 10 years old. I said, listen, guys, my parents are getting a divorce. You're not important to me. The only reason you're important is because I love my dad. And I told my mom, said, 11, 12, 13 years old, uncle, I said, you guys only matter to me because my mom matters to me. If you play politics and try to get me to not my, like my dad, you're not going to see me. I love my mom, I love my sister, and I love my dad. That's it. You guys are secondary. I'd love to have a relationship with you, but if you try to divide, you ain't going to see a lot of me because I don't like that game. So that divorce yeah. kind of messed me up a little bit. So my responsibility now is on, in my own way to make sure the world knows I'm Assyrian and Armenian and contribute, but not in the way of guilt and you didn't do this and you didn't do that's just not gonna, that's not gonna work with my personality. My parents raised me and I pray to God. My biggest prayer to God is it made me a half the man that my father and my mother was and my kids would be okay. The one thing that my mom and dad taught me, mostly my mother, uh, you better love God more than you love me. And so she would tuck me into bed and she would always say, I love you the most. And I go, the most, the number one? And she goes, no. She goes, Jesus first and wow. then you. But I was young, bro. And so I fell in love with Christ at a very young age. And when I grew up in my church, they used fear to direct people's faith the way they wanted to. I, when I go to church, I don't see anybody my age. And that's sad because the mm. old people don't want to relate to us and we don't want to relate to them that your guys is not do you're not doing it correctly and that breaks my heart i have pros and cons and i just want to say pro because i don't want to make it look like uh, I, I don't like my community the one thing i love about them is they might talk about their people 
but you cannot go against their people. They stick together. And I noticed this when I walked into somebody's house that had a relative pass away. When I walked in and I see five or six families bring food, not only for the people that are mourning, but hey, you don't need to cook for the next two weeks. We're going to be here. You're not going to clean. We're going to clean. I'm watching these people come in like services. I'm watching this guy who has a business give his portion of his money to make sure that this woman with no father is here. I haven't seen, I'm getting goosebumps right mm. now because I go to L.A., and I can't even get my good friends or my brothers to even bat an eye at my problems. But an Assyrian man, if you know you're in trouble, will bring everything that he can to the community. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I brought this all up, and I'm sorry it was a long way to get a drink of water, and I do apologize. <laughs> How do we tap back in to a community? Well, I mean, it's kind of tough to, to especially for you and I. Somebody would say, well, if it's really community, you should have married an Assyrian. Yeah, sorry, babe. Okay, so <laughs> she's white she's french my wife is white she's texan right she's you know her, according to ancestry she's uh, uh british but okay so we already broke apart of the you know uh, uh, the community side both you and i as the example of where we're going right okay because when we're kids mothers are like hey just make sure she's armenian just make sure she's a syrian just make sure she's just make sure they're this right kind of like you're going through that part now uh, uh so the part that we can do Again, it's not easy to do. Like right now, my, my son, he's like, Dad, I want to learn Armenian. Okay, no problem. So we got an Armenian that comes and teaches all our kids right now how to speak Armenian, right? It's easier to find Armenian tutors than Assyrian tutors, but right now they want to start with Armenian. No problem. They already speak fluent Spanish, fluent English. They're going to pick up Armenian. They're already pro making progress there. And then it's going to come Assyrian because my oldest son is a very interesting, intellectual, old soul guy, 11 years old, but he's a very interesting, wow. he reads 400 books a year, 300 books a year, wow. and he's just, a, he finished Atlas Shrugged in a week, okay, it's a thousand, 1100 page book, he finished it in a week, <laughs> no, for no reason, he just read it in a week, so I kept it, and my son, the other one, the nine-year-old right now is going through Fountainhead, he's about to finish it up, I think it's on like page 500 or something like that. Do so you the, tell them to read books, or is it something that they willingly are like, no, my no, dad does of, this, so I want to do this? Of course, it's influenced by the man at the top, because to me, in our house, our currency is pages. If the currency for you and I to go to a restaurant to buy food is money, the currency in our house is pages. The more you read, the more you can ask. The less you read, the less you can ask. It's that mm. simple. You want anything in our household that's based on reading, getting smarter, doing certain commitments, responsibilities that you have. And then from there, what do you want? Let's talk about it. You know, when, I, when these guys were well. kids, I would buy, we'd go to a Lego store. And which one do you want? I want this. Which one do you want? Oh, wow, Pat buys all these gifts for their kids. Absolutely. Well, you're spoiling your kids. Oh, well, you don't know what I do when I get home. Come with me to the house and see what happens. We go to the house. Okay, uh, this one is 20 books. And I would put it all the way at the top. They can see like 15 feet up. We had a, a high ceiling. So I would put it up. And every day they would come, they would see it. How many books is that? 20. Where are you at? Two. 18 more left. How many books? Are that? That's eight books. Okay, eight more left. I mean, so each thing was based on the number of books to read to get. So they're learning currency that you got to earn it. But let me go back to the tradition part with the Assyrian side. Um, listen, I mean, this started when uh, uh, blacks married whites, whites married blacks. Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this. And then boom, culture kind of goes away. Now the kid is born, is like half black, half white, goes to school. Are you white or are you black? What are you? My kids go to school. What are you? I'm half Assyrian. Really? I'm 25% Assyrian. I'm 25% Armenian. I'm 50% white, but my dad did ancestry and he's 18% Italian. So I'm also <laughs> nine, like they're confused yeah. when they're going through this whole thing with them. Right. So that part's going to kind of go. It's going to be on us to represent 
And a part I'll put on the older generation for them to be thinking about and considering right now, I don't know how often two Assyrians do podcasts together, to say, hey, you know, we can contribute in our own way. Like, we can bring a lot of light to the discussion of our community, who we are. You know, we don't have a country. We can do something about that. You know, we can really go out there and contribute. Some of the places in... You in, can. You have that money. <laughs> we can't really build a country. But, but I think what we can is, collectively, we can put a meeting together to get people in and say, guys, do we want to unify and do something together? Or what do we want to do? Every time you come together, they're like, well, you know, how much money have you given? Everything is, that guy's got money, give me some money. This guy's got this, give me some of this. Yo, that guy didn't give money, he's not this. So if we really want to do something, we got to figure out a way. Unify, so the sim- sim- system's very simple. You unify, and we get on a message. We s- simplify on what we want to do. For example, we unify, we come to get a meeting, 10, 20, 40, 50 influencers in a hotel. We're sitting up for a weekend. We're talking. We're strategizing. Great. Let's simplify. What are we doing? Next seven moves is first we got to do this. Then we got to do this. Then we got to do this. Who's part of this? These four guys have contacts for this. These three people have contacts for this. Then we go multiply. So now let's go sell it to everybody. Like the priest from Australia that did a great job. I don't know what his name is. You know who I'm talking about? The Syrian priest that's gone viral many times. Oh. Who's an incredible communicator. I've been trying to reach him. I don't know how to get to him. He reached You're talking out. about the one who always says, my beloveds. Like, yes. 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 He speaks in we're, English too. He does speak in English. So if Brilliant we, man. I'm trying, you know, we're trying to get something on the podcast to come together. I actually th- think that would be very good for you to be on because I for would you, be Mack, we'll talk about. It. I think that's. I think you guys got to talk more than probably I got to talk, because you're you're you were raised in a very much of a faith based type of a family. I think that'd be a very entertaining conversation to watch. Yeah. But you know, a part of it is our example, and then at the same time, you know, this you know this is we got to kind of leave our own fingerprint our own mark in the world and we're gonna have kids my kids are gonna do it in a different way than i did it and all this stuff so one night i come home very interesting my wife's like hey tico tell daddy what happened today and my son's name is patrick but you know my dad called me tico so we call him tico and we're both patrick's you know i don't want to talk about it what do you mean i just don't want to talk about it and she's like you good and you know you know body language when you got kids like something's off with this kid he's not comfortable so he goes straight upstairs to his room. That's not him. He never goes upstairs to his room. And I go up. I said, you good? Yeah, daddy, I don't want to talk about it. I said, what happened? Tell me what's going on. So Dylan goes to sleep. And I said, what's up? Said, today in school, everybody was Googling my name, and you kept coming up. I said, and? He says, I, I don't want to talk about it. I said, are you uncomfortable because you think you have to grow up to be me, for me to be proud of you, or to have your own identity? Yes. I said, I got it. Because we share the same name? Yes. Perfect. Let me tell you something that you have the right to do, and I will never judge you. Do you want to change your name? No, I love my name. You have my name, you have your grandfather's middle name, his first name is your middle name, and you have the best last name in the world. Daddy, I love my name. So what can we do right now for you to have this pressure being lifted off? What do you want to do? says, Dad, I don't know if I want to get into insurance or business. Totally fine. What do you want to do? I want to do movies. Great. Let's go do it. He says, you just got to know with our relationship together, I expect you to lead and represent your God, represent your heritage, your family, represent your last name, and represent yourself individually. If we can do that together, I'm always going to have your back. I love you. But don't ever think you have to be me to you know, go out there and l- fulfill your life. I'm going to love you no matter what you ever do. 
I think the Assyrian community needs to kind of look at it with the next generation coming up and saying, look, stop looking at the confinement of the boxes we have to fit in for you to be pleased with it. It's a different world we're living in. This is not the world of 20 years ago, definitely not a 40, 50, 60 years ago. So let's adjust. Let's pivot mm -hmm. and learn how to use us in a proper way. And then let us do our part as well. There's certain identities that we need to have. Trust me, this message is directed to both sides of my community, Armenian and Assyrian, but specifically today with you, it's Assyrian. I love this. It's incredible. You, and, you, I'm so sorry, go. Oh, sorry. No, I just think, you know, from an outside perspective and having coming into, your, you know, your family and seeing the way that you guys function, I think something that's so incredible is exactly what you guys are saying, the sense of community and those values that it brings and the way that everybody's there for each other. And I think that, yeah, the best thing I think that both of you can do is what you already are doing is leading by example and sharing the knowledge and the values that's been installed in you guys from your families. And people can see that example and be like, Wow, like what makes him so great? And then they kind of look back and see the way that you are with your family, see the way that you are with your community. And I just think that that example alone is, is such gold for people, you know, because we have lost that sense of strong family. Well, we lost the idea of a man leading the house and that's gonna fuck us up completely. My dad didn't tell me what to do, he showed me what to do. He didn't just go, go do it, and then sat home with his hands in his pocket. I watched my dad do something and I followed in his footsteps. I started with music. It, my dad came from uh, a different country. When he came here, he didn't have money. He had to actually raise his own mother and father because they were too old and he couldn't even speak language. So in the middle of the night, he's going to school. And the day he has two jobs to support his mother and his father, the ages that I was. So the, totally different world. When I wanted a microphone, I know everything about a microphone. This Michael Jackson recorded Thriller off this microphone. This I, They had to put a rug underneath his foot because he would always have to tap his foot when he was singing. I know everything about what I had to do because my dad says, if you get into it, you better know the ins and outs. If you're at his store and his AC breaks, he'll fucking fix that AC by himself. If he's at the store and his computer breaks, he'll fix it. He doesn't wait for anybody. He gets it done. So when I go, dad, I really want this bluebird microphone. My dad goes, for what for? I go, I got this new song. He goes, okay. He goes, come and perform it for me. And I go, what? He goes, come sit here, perform it for me. So I came and I'm looking at the lyrics the first day. He goes, get the fuck out of my face. And I go, what? He goes, why are you looking at your lyrics? I go, because I'm a performer. He goes, get the fuck out of here. He goes, you don't know your own lyrics? He goes, get out of here. And I go, okay. So he goes, come tomorrow prepared. I was like, all right. So I come with no lyrics. He goes, where's my lyrics? I go, what are, what are you talking about? He goes, you come to perform. Where's my lyrics? I need to see to make sure that you're singing your right music. And I go, I didn't, you told me not. He goes, get out of my face. You're not prepared for me now. And I was like, oh my God. So then I come, I give him the uh, lyrics that I had to write out. <laughs> I'm performing it in front of him. He goes, I don't believe it. I don't believe you like this song. He goes, come back, prepare How old are you? How old are you? Um, like seventh grade going into like eighth. Oh, this is shit. like summer. Wow. summer. And uh, But by the way, my dad works seven days a week. Seven days a Till week. today? Dude, he's just retiring. I told him, like, dad, <laughs> take off. He's building a cigar lounge. That's when I walked in here. I go, this is so funny. <laughs> me, and him, me and him are building a cigar <laughs> lounge. Right. I've never smoked a cigar in my life. But my father loves it. And I'll, I'll love everything that he loves. So we'll build it together. Uh, so I'm, I'm performing. And then he'll get me the microphone. My friends would be like, dude, you're so spoiled. Look, your dad gives you this. Your dad gives you that. You got, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. My dad worked hard. He's able to give it to me, but he doesn't just give it to me without no responsibility. I used to work at his liquor store, bro. I'll never forget this. I'm at the liquor Chicago. store. Arizona. Arizona. I'm in, I'm in uh, Osborne at 24th Street. So this area is ghetto compared to Scottsdale. So I grew up every day in the ghetto and every day in the rich. Every day. So 
in the daytime ghetto, nighttime hanging out with my friends, rich. The mindset that I would watch these people I talk and these people yeah. talk, significant. One day, I wanted to take my girlfriend out. He only gives me $100 every week, but I work every day. So I go up to him and go, Dad, I could only go to Chili's in the movies with this. Like, I can't go anywhere else, and I have no money to save. I need more money. He goes, no. And I go, can we talk about this? He goes, no. He goes, go, go somewhere else. And I was like, no, but I want to be here with you. He goes, get in the car. We get in the car. He rolls down this windows, and there's a bunch of people standing outside. He goes, $100, five days a week, da da da, da and they're rushing the car. He goes, you don't even deserve to be working with me, but you're blessed to be here. He goes, why don't you appreciate this before you ask for other things? And I was like, fuck. So when I'm, the only reason I brought it up is when I watch you, my question was to you, you've already mastered businesses. And though I was going to ask you, how is your relationship with your children? But you've answered it already by the way you speak about your children. The, the whole factor of like, I'm not going to get mad if you want to change your name. You giving your children freedom for them not to feel like they're overwhelmed. But then you also give them a level of you need to work the fucking day. Don't go to bed like completely fine. If you don't go to bed tired, my dad's 60 something years old, almost 70. I've never heard this man say I'm tired. Never. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He, he will was, outwork the fuck out of me, and he'll be dressed and ready to go out to the nightclubs. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, out. ask them. We're like, we're going to bed, and he's like, you guys are such losers. Come on, we're going out. He'll make <laughs> us get dressed to go out with him. It's a cigar lounge, and everybody there knows who he is. This guy lives his life. So, sorry, I just, I wanted how to- How many siblings? I'm just curious. My older sister, and I don't know how, if you have any siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. Six years apart. Six years apart. Whoa. No shit. Is she your second mother? She's she she was when I was a kid. She, but so, then my parents got a divorce, so it kind of messed it up a little bit. So my parents got two divorces. They got married. My sister's born. They got divorced. They got remarried to each other. I'm born. They got divorced. <laughs> wow. So the kids are messing up the relationship. We we were, we were <laughs> messing it up in a big way. Yeah, they I mean, had their thing going. And you know the whole thing. Out? What people gonna think? You guys can't get a divorce. Everyone's watching you guys. You guys got to make this work. They got married the second time. Uh, well, how old were you when they got divorced again the second time? I was 11 years old in Germany when uh, my mother got served with the divorce paperwork from the states. We were at a refugee camp. Right, because yeah. you left Iran when you were 10. Yeah. Wow. 10 years old. And I, I mean, we're kind of going off topic now, but I mean, how was that being in Germany in a refugee camp? What is that like? Uh, if I so if I don't do that and there's not a male figure in my life, I'm not as strong of a personality today because I had to go through that. Where you kind of have to figure yourself out from 10 to 12. Parents get a divorce. I'm at a refugee camp. We got people from Czech, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yugoslavia. You know, uh, you know Poland, and you're all in a community. You're learning what it's like to get along with you, to get along with this person, why you're here, where are you trying to go to, what are you escaping, what happened in Yugoslavia, what happened in Bosnia. All of this stuff is going on, and we're learning about each other's traditions and cultures, mm -hmm. but there is no father figure. Mm -hmm. There's not an older brother. There's nothing like that. And in Germany, sun would go down like 10 o'clock at night. So you can be outside playing till late at night. It's not like it's 6 or 7 o'clock. So we're out all day long, and... Uh, yeah, I learned everything about my maturity of figuring things out was from 10 to 12 years old. Mm, I can 
I can totally, in a completely different way, but I relate to that too, because I left France when I was 10 as well. And the circumstances, you know, um, well, we were in Ohio for three months and then we went to Canada because we just didn't have like a final destination yet when we left France because it was just my mother, me and my sister. So kind of same thing from that age of 10 up until, you know, yeah, early teens, 13, 14, is you grow up right away, you have to kind of, you have to understand everything that's going on around you and you're trying to be thoughtful to your to your mother, you know, because she's going through a lot because you realize everything that's going oh, around yeah. you oh, to yeah. your siblings. And so it's kind of at that point, you're like, okay, it's time to, to help my family. Also, she, her father figure was absent at this time during those things. So I, it, it, when I met Belle, though, obviously her, her looks attracted me more than anything, right? But when I got to meet this woman, I, I realized what a, what a woman turns out to be when she has to cook for herself at a young age, when she knows how to deal with the responsibilities, when she doesn't let the world whisper what she should be doing. Bro, I've never met a woman like this. Respect. I've never met a Respect. woman like this. I, Where'd you guys meet? Our friend introduced us. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, he yeah. goes, I, I met this girl and I feel like she's for you. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> so I, I met her at a at like a Takaya or something. Yeah, like it was Takaya. In Scottsdale? No, this no, is no, in LA. LA. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah. and it was like four years ago. Uh, but I knew I was going to be with her forever in my heart when I, every girl I dated, I was very scared that they would get her family's qualities. It scared me when if like we have kids, like what if they turn out more like her or like her family? And that scared me. But when I met her, I was like, that would be a blessing. And my kids could come out this strong minded and very, very assertive to life. And I'm very proud of you, who you are as a human being. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Does she have mom's person, your mom's personality or no? Yeah, my mom's. Okay. Got it. And oh, I didn't yeah. even know that until they were hanging out. And I was like, what the hell is going on? mom and I are very similar. <laughs> They're very, very go. similar. I love her so much. Um, I want to I circle back to you in Germany because you, you yeah. just escaped um, your country. You're, you're young. Um, and then after Germany, um, most likely be painted as the evil one that came to that country. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you come to the white man's world, America. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to follow in this path of finding enemies. And then you have a book that's uh, Choose Your Enemies Wisely. Um, two questions, two part questions. One, I want you to break down what you mean by that by pointing out your enemies will point out your your insecurities or your problems. I want you to break that down. And then also the most important one, and I don't think anybody could find success without this. What is the first step of forgiving your enemies? Okay, so choose your enemies wisely. It's a book, uh, uh, the first business book I wrote with Simon & Schuster was Your Next Five Moves. That was, you know, a uh, concept of sequencing. I look at everything in life about sequencing. And like, even when I walked in here, I said, how you guys flipped it. In my mind, I'm like, what did they flip first? Did you guys flip this first? Or did you do this first? And what did you do there? Like, what's the... You got that from your mom's side. I got, I got that from... Uh, uh, I, I got the paranoia from my mom's yeah, side. I need you to yeah. bookmark that, man. I, I got them. Oh, my God, did my mom make yeah. me paranoid. Please got, pause that. Oh, for we sure. We can do an hour of that We itself. can come back to that. No, <laughs> she is. She's, she's like that. So, anyway, so the whole concept of paranoia comes from mom's side. Sequencing to me comes from watching everybody and seeing, you know, hey, what are we going to do next? Like, war happens in Iran. It's like, what are we going to leave? What are we going to next? Are we going to do this? Are we going to first go to Bandar Pahlavi? Are we going to go do... So what's going to happen next? It was always like a... Almost like a, uh, uh, you know, the whole uh, uh, flight, you know, freeze. Like, if we have to escape this place, what fight are we going to fight. Fight or flight. Yeah. So. Dude, they get mad at me because when I'm at a restaurant, yeah. my back can only be up against the wall. I have to see everything. Identical. Same. Yeah. Bro, because... 
paranoia. You have to know, okay, if he makes this move, yep. I got to be prepared yep. for that. Fourth of July, we're all at Fourth of July. I gathered everybody. I go, if, God forbid, I know this is a bummer, you hear shooting, I need you to run there, swim into the water, Jessica, because my, my sister can't run too far. So I go, you're going to swim there, I'm going to meet you over there. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you're being paranoid. I go, it's better to be prepared than not prepared at all. Same page, man. I mean, this is, if I'm here, I'm sitting here. He I told me that. Yeah, yeah, told me that. Yeah, yeah. I love so, that. So, but anyway, so, so that first one was your next five moves. And the first thing is to, you have to know, you know, who you want to be and what kind of a life you want to live. Too many people, everything for you happens from there. So who you want to be, and a life you want to live. I just want to be a Christian pastor. Well, your enemy is the adversary. Choose your enemies wisely. That's your enemy. You know what? I want to go out there and, you know, be the greatest basketball player. Really? Yeah. What level? At the highest level. Well, like, what, just to make it into the NBA? Or do you want to be all-star MVP champion? Highest level. Well, then your enemies are going to be the guys that came before you. And it's going to be partying and clubbing and drugs and women. That's your enemies. Mm. Your enemies are women. Distraction. If you want to be that guy. So when Allen Iverson and Kobe are done playing a game and... Afterwards, they're like, hey, let's go dinner. They go eat dinner. And then uh, AI's like, hey, man, can you drop me off at the club? You want to come? He said, no, I'm not going to the club. I'm going back to the gym. He's, AI says, that's what I knew. I'm not Kobe. I'm going to the club. Kobe's going back to the gym at midnight to practice basketball. So Kobe was playing a very different game than AI was playing. So that's the part about choosing your enemy's wise. So now let me go into the enemy side. If your vision is big. If you want to do something very, very big in your life, whatever that may be, you want your last name to be a strong legacy last name, you want to raise great kids, you want to go out there and build a business that's multinational and you know, you're building a billion dollar empire, a national business, you want to build a big podcast, you want to build a big show, you want to compete not in the top 1%, but the top 0.1%. Great. You have, to, you have to be naive to think you're not going to have enemies. Number one, it's absolutely impossible to compete at that level without having enemies, okay? So now, what enemies are not necessary enemies to create? You know, like, I read this one book where the guy says, you know, sometimes in a company, when you don't know it, sometimes you create unnecessary enemies, meaning somebody is about to quit, okay? And it's not going to work out. You have to learn the art of letting them go gently, Okay, the art of letting them go gently does what? It eliminates a future enemy. If you let somebody go in a very abrupt way, which we've all I've done, definitely. I just did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so what 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 happens when you do that? You create Guess, an enemy for no reason. You create an enemy, and it's no reason. So by the way, those types of situations, you look at it and you say, "Man, I just ah, I shouldn't have done that." Okay. Pride uh, got no, in the way. Ego got yeah, in the way. And by the way, it happens to all of us. It happens. It's never going to stop. You ain't never going to be. It's Look at it as a free throw shoot. You're never going to shoot 100%, but you want to shoot 80%. Like if you're at 50%, go to 60, 70, 80. You want to be around 80%, which means you're going to make the mistakes 20% of the time. So certain enemies in life, I don't want to compete with my kids. That's not my enemy. I don't want to compete with my siblings. That's not my enemy. I don't want to compete with my parents. That's not my enemy. Maybe you, your parent is a good driver because your father left you. And that's going to be a driver for you. Your name is Tyler Perry. And that wasn't the picture. And later on, he shows up when you have all the money in the world. And he says, hey, son. He's like, hey, where were you all this time? Oh, how about you buy me a house? And he says, I'll buy you a house. I'll buy you a car. I'll buy you the other stuff with one caveat. What's that? Never call me again. And he does that. That was his driver. That's his enemy, Steve Jobs. His mother gave him for adoption. Are you kidding me? Like, you give me up for adoption? I'm freaking Steve Jobs. What does Steve Jobs do? Goes and builds a company that's a $3 trillion company today where 58% of America uses a tool that he built and he dies at 56 years old. What do you think drove that guy? What drove Kobe? What drove Michael? 
what was a driver for Michael? What was a driver for some of these guys that are at certain levels that you look at? So we have this very conflicted, you know, relationship with enemy because we look at words like war negative connotation. It's a bad thing. Enemy, oh, it's a negative thing. It's a bad thing. We look at these words and we're uncomfortable. Even when you were talking about uh, initially a word in, in our faith where suicide and all that stuff, the way they would explain it and fear and all that stuff. But for me... Every level I've gone, I've had to choose my enemies wisely. And if I've chosen the right enemies, it's brought out the best in me. If I choose the wrong enemies, it's brought out the worst in me. I know for a fact when I chose the wrong enemy because it makes me look back and it makes me go look at the bitter side and I resent and I'm living in regret and those are not the right enemies. Then I know I'm choosing an enemy that's a different target. I'm like... Got it. Why the hell am I fighting you? You're my wife. Why are we fighting? You're not the enemy. Mm. Why are we fighting? You're not the enemy. What are we doing here? I don't want to fight you. That's the enemy. So these are different moments. And I remember I was 24, 25 years old. We went to an Assyrian Christmas party. It's December 24th Eve. We're there, family I love. But we're at this party. And my dad is there. I'm a nobody at this time. I'm 24 years old. I'm in debt $49,000. Just got out of an ugly relationship. Girl, I'm going to marry. Didn't work out. I lost my expedition. I'm driving a Ford Focus right now. I barely fit in this Ford Focus. I was big in the Hollywood scene, big in the Vegas scene. I used to go to Pimps and Hoes. I used to go to Garden of Eden, Century Club, Dublin's. I'm that guy. You want to party with me? You want to go out with me? And have boom, rock bottom. No one wants to party with me. I don't have money for notes. I, ladies night, I got nothing going on for myself right now financially. So we go out, and my dad's having heart attacks. And this one guy at this Christmas party disrespects my dad and makes a condescending comment that, by the way, it was so innocent, it's not even funny. It was so innocent, what he says to my dad. But you said it in front of me. Mm. And I took it as I've given you permission to talk to my dad in front of me that way, and that's my fault. I said, no problem. May I ask what he said? I don't want to say it because he's going to know who he is. I've never disclosed it. He knows who this is. If we beep it, so I could just be... Let me I'll tell you privately when the camera's off. So anyway, so this guy says what he says. And then, you know, I look at him and I'm just fuming. I'm on fire inside. And I'm holding myself. I said, Dad, we got to go. He says, I said, I'm not staying here. We got to go. No, you're here with me. I'm your dad. I said, no, I'm the driver. We're going home. And I let me tell you, I'd get out to get out. I'm not coming. We got to go. We're not staying here. So we're getting into, you know how you're uncomfortable. You don't want people to know you're arguing. He said, I'm telling you, we're leaving. I'm telling you right now, we're leaving. We get in the car. Most uncomfortable walk telling me, who do you think you are? You're in front of my family. Why are you doing this kind of stuff? I said, no one is going to disrespect you ever again. I said, I'm going to make a promise to you right now. The world is going to know your last name and how incredible of a father you've been to me. They're going to have to kill me. They're going to know who you are. Done. We're in the car for 30 minutes from Glendale to Granada Hills. We're fighting. 30 minutes. I call Paulette, my sister. She comes to the house. And I call Siamak, her husband, uh, saint of a guy, love the guy. They got two beautiful kids. They're not living here. They moved here from L.A. And I sit him down and say, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. The world's going to know our last name. And by the way, at this point of the game, I'm a regular guy. Mm-hmm. Amma, the next day, I'm going 100 hours a week. It's game over. Call my buddies. My dad would, had also gone out of the hospital a couple months prior to that UCLA Medical Center with a big heart attack. 
Don't call me to go to the clubs. I'm not going to the clubs. Don't call me to do anything. I call my girlfriend at the time and I say, hey, I'm not interested in anything. You coming in a birthday suit? Not interested. I don't believe you. She comes in. Not interested. I go 17 months with no sex. That was my biggest addiction. That was my God. My God was women. My God was nightlife. My God was that. That's my audience. That's my crew. I was from that side. And I put my head down January 21st, 2004, I want to say. I give my life to Christ. I go to church sitting front row. 17 months done, focused. It's Friday nights, Bible study, 6 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning, every other Friday night at Pasadena with Paznas, this pastor called Mano, and we're talking about philosophy. And I'm still an atheist, but I'm debating him. There's no way in the world of Jesus this, and what about this? And they use it because people were so naive and innocent back in the days, and they didn't know what it was. It was so easy to use fear again, control them, and they were doing this. And you know what they were doing? Today, you can't get away with that. This is why there's so many more atheists today, because they're being exposed. Christians are I'm having these types of conversations with them. Can right? I pause you right yeah, there? Because there's a lot of men that are in the same boat yeah. that you were there. And this is a huge pivotal moment for you because I believe this, there is, you either worship a God or you worship yourself. And I think that at that moment in your life, what not think, I wanna know, what was it completely that opened your eyes? Because there's people that will like, you could give them all the evidence in the world, but they don't, they'll reject it because they want to worship their lifestyle of sex, their lifestyle of drinking, their lifestyle of this. What was your pivotal moment and what would you give to your enemies and your friends to just give them that information? Because I think, and this is just from my point of view, I think that's when you started really just taking off. So I'll give you, I'll give you a complete curveball here. What percentage of her past do you know? A lot of it. I, mean, I would say like almost all of it. Do you think you know 100% of it? I would believe I do on the aspect of in this relationship, the one who runs it is the Lord. So I can never judge her for her past. I can never judge her for her future. Okay. What percentage of your past you think she knows? Every single bit of it. Okay, fine. I'm convinced if you think you know all of it, you have a God complex yourself. Let me explain. No, you fair. can push back and, and I'll give you my point yeah. of view. So when you're marrying somebody, you know, a man wants to know what? Everything. Why? We're insecure. We're protected. We're territorial. Mm -hmm. We have this natural, like, hey, you're mine. Like, hey, I want to make sure. Know. I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what happened with that guy and how many this? I don't want to walk into that. a place and be embarrassed. Totally get it. Yeah. And then later on in my life, what if stories come up and then I'm going to be embarrassed and that? Yep. These are all valid concerns that a territorial man will have. Totally innocent mm. that we have. Okay. You can go back and forth with that in your mind saying, I'm not getting married until I know 100% of the stuff. You ain't never going to get married. You're just never going to get married. So what's the moral of the story there? Okay, I'm the guy that has to do everything. Well, now I got a problem because it's not going to happen to yeah. me. I'm the mathematician. I'm the freaking math guy. I'm the angle guy. I'm the counting every light in a place. I'm the guy that's counting how many Celsius. How many? I'm the guy that's counting how many lines goes all the way down. Having a conversation with you. I'm counting those little buttons in here in that corner to see how many the buttons. Is it nine or is it twelve? I'm just kind of going. I'm that guy, right? So everything with my brain. The reason why I love math is because I can use Pythagorean theorem to get an answer to a formula that's the definite answer, not the maybe answer, not the 99% answer. So I have a problem with faith 
for a guy like me mm. because I'm not gonna know a hundred percent. So it was a it was a nurture thing. You it, weren't taught faith when you were younger. Uh, no, I was taught faith when I was younger, but I was a guy that got kicked out of Bible study in a Syrian uh, church in Iran and Tehran where they kicked me out. They're like. You know, you're asking too many questions. This is not what we're going to have. You got to get out of the class. And they kicked me out. I said, I don't, I'm not a Christian, guys. Told my mom and dad they were disappointed. I said, listen, I'm not going to go believe in this God that if he loves us so much, why are we getting bombed so many times? Why we get bombed 160 sometimes in a single day? Yeah, I'm not good with this. I don't believe God exists. All these people are dying for what? Over what? What are we dying over? So I was that guy that yeah, fought back. So, so anyways, going back to the question you're asking with faith and where, uh, how the decision was made, no matter how much I read of Lee Strobel, Case for Christ, if I read C.S. Lewis, you know, Mere Christianity, Cost of Discipleship, give me every book I could get my hands on from Billy Graham as to four different, God is either this or he's that or he's this, or I'm going to go read this guy and read the Scientology argument of Christianity, and I'm going to see the debate of this Muslim of Christianity on why this and this guy that before Christianity on the Indian religion that did the same exact thing, was married to I can go all of that stuff. And even if I do my entire lifetime, I'm not going to read all that material. So eventually there's going to come a point in your life that you're going to have to take certain risks in your life. There is risk to staying single. Big risk. If, if I, George, if I tell you right now, I'm looking at Dylan, my nine-year-old son, and he says, Dad, you know, oh, oh, what would happen if the war doesn't happen in Iran? And Iran was at peace. I said, brother, I got to tell you this, Dilly boy, in a weirdest way, I'm glad it happened. Why, daddy? Because I can't imagine life never meeting you. You've changed my life, Dilly. I said, I can't imagine life not meeting you. Our fourth kid, Brooklyn, um, she's two years old. She's went to school for the first time this week. We didn't want to have a fourth kid. We were good with three. One day my wife comes home and says, crying. I'm like, what are you crying for? He says, I want another baby. I said, what are you talking about? I want 20 more babies. What are you talking about? I want another baby. We get pregnant. She gets pregnant. While she's pregnant, we're in uh, Jekyll Island. We're testing. We're going one o'clock in the morning to the gas station, testing all this stuff. We're coming back and she's pregnant. We go to the doctor. You're having twins. No way. Yes. <laughs> we're expecting twins. Then we go back in the 11th week. One of the kids doesn't make it. And one of the kids before that told us that one of them is Down syndrome. So guess what? We don't know which one did it make it. So now we have to have a baby and we're watching videos late at night, raising kids, Down syndrome baby in a family, how do kids react? And for 30 days in bed, we're laying next to each other. It's almost, you're running a company. You have to still be there present for your kids. You have to motivate your guys. You have to run your thing. You have to do this. You have to do that. And you still, you're sitting there saying, babe. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, man, this is a curveball, man. Baby's born. Tough, tough, we man. have no idea what's going to happen with the baby. Okay? Coming from a guy that has to know 100% because I'm a guy that takes calculated risks. Here's what I learned. When it comes down to marriage, everything's about odds. You don't know what's going to happen. You could change. She could change. 
as long as you have a, you know, your faith in God and you do your part, your best, and she does her part, you guys go one year at a time, you're increasing the odds. But it's still not going to be 100%. Yeah, of course. Kids, same way. You're going to have kids, the fear of kids. You know, you got a miscarriage, you got this, you got that, you got this. There is risk. What if you only have daughters? Four kids, it's all daughters. What are you going to say? Hi, I want a son. What if you only have boys? You never have a daughter. It's God's plan for you. you There's certain things in life. It's out of your hands. It's out of your hands. So faith, marriage, kids, these areas, I don't want to control. I, as a control guy, I don't want to control those specific areas. So the person you're talking about that's 23, 24, 25, there is a risk to staying single, and it's a massive risk. There's a risk to getting married. I'm willing to say with all the BS people keep talking about that there's risks to be married, there's more risk staying single than there is to get married. Of course. Yeah. There is more risk. You have the risk of being an atheist, not believing in God. Don't worry about it. It is a risk. It is a greater risk to be an atheist than to believe in God. Why? I'm talking to Joe uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and this conversation came up, right, about faith and all this stuff. And, and Joe has his own philosophies. And, you know, when he has all these different people, there's a reason why he's loved, because he'll talk to everybody about it. I said, look, right now with what's going on, you know who the establishment people of power hate historically? Guess who they've hated? People who are hopeful. People who are faithful. People who have the faith to believe the future looks bright. You can't control those types of people. It's a very weird dynamic. Their eyes are different. There's fire in those eyes. You know what the eyes look like when somebody is hopeless or doesn't have, you know, it's like so faithless. You know what their eyes look like? Defeated. Yeah, bitter. Broken. You can control them. Yeah. You can push them around. You can bully them. Good luck bullying. Somebody who has faith. Somebody who has faith or is hopeful. Mm. So, so to me, the 24, 25 years old, when circling back to the whole choose your enemies wisely, when I saw that opportunity, when I saw what it did to my belly and I noticed that fire didn't go away, because a lot of times you'll get a motivational speech from a conference, you're motivated for three days, and in three days you're like, dude, I don't know, I forgot, ah, life sucks. And then, but this one, this enemy, brother, I'm 44, that was 23, 21 years ago. The level of fire I have today is 10 times more than it was then, and I was a lot. So that is the ability to choose your enemies wisely. Of course, that's the title of the book, but a part of the book is also you gotta choose your allies wisely. You need the right enemies, but you need the right allies. My allies I need is the man upstairs. That's the ultimate ally I need. Amen. I got a few other allies that I need to have, but um, a person with the right enemy, sometimes we'll disclose it to people, sometimes we will not. Sometimes it's somebody that only you know about, but you don't wanna advertise it, and you'll all of a sudden see someone and say, man, that guy already has all the money in the world. That guy already drives a nice car. Why is a guy that's worth $300 billion named Elon Musk, what are you doing? You can buy the big, you can buy a state. You can buy a small country. You can buy Belize and name it Muskland. <laughs> you, you can go do whatever. What are you doing? How many more billion dollar companies do you need to build? Do you need to go to space? What's the point? And then you kind of pull back and you're like, oh, okay, that's his dad. Got it. I got it. And he's, that's his mom. Totally get it. Mm. We know who the enemy is. Mm. Great. He may not talk about it, but that's a drive. And by the way, we can say this about a lot of names at the top. They, they chose their enemies wisely. And you just hope it's not the wrong enemy that eventually destroys you. So you have to be very selective on which enemies you choose. It's such a wise concept to really be aware of your enemies because I think you unconsciously make the wrong people in your life enemies as you said you know you you try and compete with your siblings or you try and compete with your you know your your kids or people that should be 
that should never be your enemy, right? So when you're saying that, it made me, it was like, wow, like as soon as you're aware of that, you real, you can stop yourself from kind of making those mistakes and realizing, okay, who am I really fighting against and who am I really fighting for? It's easy to yell at your family because you're comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. And then you know that they would forgive you if you guys had a conversation. It's, it's a good fallback. I, um, when I was younger, I, uh, I got permission to beat up this kid in school. Because I grew up doing martial arts. And my mom and dad were like, we'll pull you out of martial arts if you ever put your hands on somebody. And I was getting heavily bullied. One day, my dad came home when he found out, and he fucking lost it on my mom. He goes, somebody put put his hands on my son, and you told him not to do anything? So he grabbed me, and he goes, you listen to me. He goes, if I find out another man put their hands on you, and you didn't do anything, he goes, when you come home, I'm gonna put my hands on you. And I was like, okay. Literally the next day, some kid named Zach started some shit but now i have that like oh my dad gave me permission i'm gonna start some shit now right so i started some shit and uh he pushed me i put you know, pushed him back seventh grade and uh he pulled me up against the wall and i'm like okay perfect i was i'm not even kidding i remember this like it was yesterday i was waiting patiently before i striked for this girl that i like to come around because i knew she was a little bit farther behind i wanted her to see me knock him the fuck out so i'm just waiting i'm waiting and then so finally she pulls around the corner and i hit him once pop and i'm going for the other one and I look in his eyes, and it was fear, but it was a different type of fear. And it locked me up, and I never had another man look at me that way. And so I, I, I got scared of the feeling of me powering him. And so I held him, and then the, the aides were coming. So I, I held him, I held him, and something in my heart was like, do not touch this man again. And so I was like, okay, okay. And then he hit me, boom. And I was like, don't touch him. Boom, again, don't touch him. And I was like, okay, don't let him, don't, 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 just take it, just take it. Two years go by. And in my mind, I'm like, why the fuck did that happen? Like, why didn't I hit him? Always in my mind, why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Two years go by. We're now in high school. And uh, we get detention. But we've said hi to each other. We've moved on. We never, like, kept it, like, anger. We moved on. We're men, right? We were in detention. The teacher comes in and she goes, guys, I got to go. And a family emergency happened. You guys could go. We're living right next to Desert Ridge. So we're like, why don't we just walk there and get food? We're walking there. I'm making him laugh. And uh, he just starts choking up and i'm like yo what the fuck are you good and he looks at me and he stops he goes dude i have to apologize to you and i go why he goes and i'll never forget this and i've told you this and i've told you this and if it fucked me up for the rest of my life he goes i put my hands on you because that's what i had in my home and i thought it was okay and so when i saw his eyes i knew there was something more there but all i kept picturing now is like how many times did his dad come home and beat him that I could have given him hell here. So from that day, I promised myself, my demons are their demons. So when I look at my enemy, I'll look past their shoulders and I'll never make that mistake again. If you've got on my bad side, it's because something you're dealing with, you haven't overcome. And I'm not going to beat you up physically because you're already getting beat up spiritually. Mm. So I'm going to find out who your demon is and I'm going to fuck him up and I'm not going to put my hands on you. And so that's like changed my whole like... Uh, like my whole enemy thing. What, what a story, man. First guy I got into a fight with was my best friend, and we got into a big fist fight, and he won the fight. We were 12, 13 years old at Wilson Junior High School. And then, you know, one day I go to his house, and his dad, right in front of us, multiple times, punched him in the face, and it was a very bad I won't mention the guy's name because I posted this picture many times. I love this guy. I've cried a handful of times when I've given speeches to my sales guys. Most of the time, it's about this one guy. And uh, on May 5th, 
you know, 2005, this guy, you know, took his life. He committed suicide. And I used to take him to Bible study, and I took him to a drug rehabilitation center in so Tarzana. And in Tarzana, he went to the 14 days. It was 400 bucks a day, et cetera, et cetera. And he was, his, his challenge was Vicodin. It was very hard. I was driving a diamond bar when I got the call. I, call. I was in a, uh, I was in a uh, uh, black uh, uh, town car with another guy named Jim, an old friend of mine. I got this call from a guy named Artin who called me. I'm like, oh, fuck. We were at Shakey's in Glendale off of Colorado when we went to the back and he was taking the pills. I took the pills from him, me and another guy, and I said, dude, you ain't taking it. He's crying, saying, please, let me. I said, dude, I'm not giving it to you. Crying, saying, please, you don't know the past. I said, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not going to give it to you. And I found out who was the dentist who was selling the uh, Vicodin to a kid who was selling it to him. Anyways, that's a whole different discussion that we had with the, with the mm -hmm. dentist and the kid. But yeah, man, life is very interesting how this works. These types of memories, they, they resonate. But I'll give you... One other angle to take this for, for you to uh, maybe get a better understanding on how I view this, because I, as a Christian man, I understand also, you know, turn your cheek, Christian, all this. Up. Trust me, I've, I've heard that message as well. Um, where we are right now with, Amer with America, the mess that we have, right? It's a messy situation right now in America. I don't like what they're teaching in school. Mm. I don't like what's happening with fatherless homes. I don't like how many... You know, in 1940, 4% of all pregnancies in America were to single mothers. In 1940, only 4% of pregnancies, babies that were born, were born to a single mother. Today it's 40%. What do you mean? We went from 4% to 40%? What are you talking about? So what do we change? We're afraid to pray in school? For what? You want, you want to take God out of school? Yeah, we want to take God out of school. What are you afraid of? You don't want God? You don't want favor? You don't want that? No, no. So you don't want to do I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America? No, I don't want to do that. No, because we're imposing stuff. So you replace what we were imposing with what you want to impose now? No problem. So now watch where I go with this thing here for you. So for me, I believe we need all different types of people in life. Okay? There's a scene. I don't know what movie this is. Maybe it's American History X. Maybe it's another one where he talks about the sheepdog. We can Google this and see what movie it is, what the role of a sheepdog is. And they defend people who can't defend themselves. And that's kind of the role they play. And, you know, God chooses certain people to be sheepdogs. And that's the role they got to play. Great. So how do we get here? Guy asked me a question. What do you think happened? I said, listen, let me tell you, four communities screwed up America. I give you three of the communities screwed up America. What is it? Number one is uh, 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 the do-your-thing libertarians. What do you mean? Well, I'm, I'm a libertarian a little bit myself, which is what? Hey, guys, do your thing. Just do your thing. Do your thing. But the do-your-thing libertarians allowed everybody to kind of do their thing, and now the people you allow to do their thing are now trying to get your kids to do their thing. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. Mustard seed. Wow, this took about 20 years. Yes. Because you kept saying, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing, to each his own, to each his own. So then the Christian side was what? The tolerant Christians. It's okay, let's be tolerant. I pray for four things. Courage, wisdom, tolerance, understanding. I have a very hard time praying for tolerance. I have a hard time praying for tolerance the last 12 months. I've been praying for courage, wisdom, tolerance, understanding for 20 years. I cannot get myself. I'm praying. I go, God, I ask you to give me courage, wisdom, understanding. And I'm skipping tolerance. Why? Because... There's a book I read uh, recently that a friend of our, one of our executives in our company, Chris Hart, recommended. It's uh, got to do with the topic of intolerance. Why we have to be intolerant. What do you mean we got to be intolerant? Isn't intolerance a bad word? Nope. 
We need more intolerance today. By who? By the people who are teaching the right principles to protect kids, family, household. How the hell do we go from 4% to 40%? My mother, when she was trying to raise me by herself, couldn't do anything to me. One day, I'm 13, 14 years old. She's hitting me. She's doing all I said, you realize you just hurt your hand. What are you doing? You can't do anything to me, ma'am. Nothing. You can't touch me. You can't hurt me. It's over. I'm a big dude. Don't put you, and I put my hand behind my back because I keep hitting me. I'm not feeling nothing. Nothing. And she, I said, let me do that with my father. There's no way I could <sighs> do to that. Bed. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? His hand's heavy. I'm like, hey, Dad, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to do that. That part missing, my mom can't raise me by herself. She needs that man in the picture to put me in my place. I needed to be put in my place. Who did that to me? The military did. Drill Sergeant Pirtle, Drill Sergeant Green. They needed to put me in my place, and they did. 4% to 40%. Let me go to the third one. The third one to me is, I want to find this book to kind of tell you because I don't want to forget about this intolerance book that's written out. It's a very fascinating book. It's called The Beauty of Intolerance. I think you would like that. Christian community would like readings by a guy named Josh McDowell. Anyway, so then you have the lazy and the scared conservatives. What do you mean by the lazy and the scared conservatives? Well, let me tell you what these lazy and the scared conservatives are. You know, the whole, uh, well, you know, look, we just... We just don't say anything when we go to parties because we don't want to offend and, and because we just don't want to do anything. Or, or the lazy ones, we, we, we're just living in Palm Beach and we have a nice house and we're living in Beverly Hills and Manhattan Beach quietly. It's conservatives. Don't tell anybody. Nobody's not telling anybody. We're living in this community, Naperville, whatever, all this. Okay, so how are you doing with your money now? All these guys are buying all these media companies and what are you buying? Real estate portfolios? ETFs? They're buying media, they're controlling your kids, and it's game over for them. They control you for 20 years. So now what do you want to do? Oh, oh. so now they got all the universities, education. Okay, when, when, what percentage of money is being given to which political party? They have K through 12, you know, when they're doing the math to see for every dollar given to the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party, a science teachers, 97 cents for every dollar, school teachers, goes to the left versus the right. Math is the only one that's 87 cents to 13 cents. They have a monopoly in K through 12. They have a monopoly in universities. And this is a way of thinking. So this gets uncomfortable because for, you know, when you, when you look from this standpoint, then you say, all right, let me tell you what I'm battling with. Should I just sit there and turn the cheek? No, I'm not doing that. Why? I'm not that guy. God didn't create me that way. Mm. I think you're needed. I think you're needed, but I also think I'm needed. I think we're playing different roles. Mm. When you got a sports team, five Shaqs are not going to win a championship. You need a Shaq. You need a Kobe. But you also need an Ori. Mm. You also need a Kerr. You also need a role player, Rodman. You also need so. So we have to find, this is why I asked the question, your next five moves, the book, which number one is what? Who do you want to be? What level of a, what kind of a life you want to build, right? The more you're true to your role in life, and then you're able to challenge yourself to say, Am I kind of taking it out because I'm taking the easy way out? Am I really kind of pushing the envelope a little bit? Am I leading? Am I compromising? Am I conforming? I don't know. That battle is okay to go through. But, brother, I got to a point where, for me, it got so crystal clear with the vision. Like, if there's anything I can tell you I'm crystal on, 
with my life is who God chose me to be. I fought these fires in my belly for 15 years trying to get rid of them until I realized, man, you put it in me. I'm going to run with it and let's see why you're doing this to me. I'm going to do my best to be one of your best soldiers over the next four decades. God willing, if you choose to take me, I'm chilling. I'm happy. I've lived an incredible life. I can't believe the life I've lived. But if you keep me here, my interpretation from you, God, is that you put me here to fight. If you don't like it, please finish this up already. I'm good with that as well. But if you don't, I'm interpreting as PBD keep fighting. And I'm okay with that. So that's the battle that we all kind of have to go through to see what role we play in this life and what responsibility we have with the man upstairs. As a, as a fellow brother in Christ, I want to remind you that every time a human being fell out of God's plan is when he fully in his heart felt that his motives would have done the good thing. So when you don't, when your, your fire is like, no, this school system is evil. This is, this is, and that. And I agree with you. And I'm about to open up that subject about how much I agree with you. I can't tell you how many times I pull the phone to her. And I'm like, thank God there's a real man out there speaking like this. But remember, Jesus Christ was the perfect man. And he only acted out of love. Even with the biggest people that he shouldn't have given love to. So have that fire but keep that love there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The, the whole uh, uh, idea, what, what you just said right now is, for the last 14 years, I wrote out the structure that I want our kids to follow, okay? And what applies to me. And when I build the insurance company, when you're building an insurance company with 45,000 independent contractors, insurance agents, they can go anywhere. To keep them, you have to really love your guys for them to not go anywhere. So we have a few principles. We have uh, some, I'll take a cutter as well if you can. So lead, respect, improve, love, go for it. Yeah, lead, respect, improve, love. Lead in every situation you're in, respect everybody because you can learn something from everyone. Improve because improving gives you peace of mind that if you can't compete today, guess what? As long as you improve, you're gonna be all right, right? Lead, respect, improve, and last but not least, love. You gotta love everybody because we don't have enough love in the world. If you look at one of the criticism I give on my podcast and one of the biggest compliments we get with our podcast, one week, I have Alex Jones. Next week, I got Jen Uger. Mm. What are you doing? All over the One place. week, I got, you know, Charlie Kirk. Next week, I got Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo and I have become friends. I'm like, we're having conversations pretty much on a day. We have an incredible relationship. Charlie Kirk and I are becoming friends. So the, these are people. We have had so many socialists and communists on my show. Name them. I've had more communists, literally, not socialists, people that claim they're communists, I've had more communists on my show than anybody else has had on, on their show. Why? Because we lead with love, so we allow that place to be safe. I'm talking to a guy who runs a podcast, and you know who this person is. So he says, Pat, how do you get these people to come to your place, like an Anthony Weiner or a Jeffrey Tubin? How do you get these types of people to feel comfortable with you? I said, hey, man, you know, we don't walk on water. You know, you nobody here perfect. The day I'm perfect, I'll interview people as if I'm perfect. Till then, I like to talk to everybody. You like me, you don't like me, let's sit down and have a conversation, and then we'll figure it out from there. So that would be my 
answer to you that one of the core foundations of us doing what we're doing is with love. There's a scene of a father who a guy comes in and he's tr every day he's bullying his daughter. Finally, the guy's like, listen, stop, stop, stop. And this video is going viral all over the place. Eventually, dad's like, look, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to hurt you. And then, boom, he does jujitsu on him, drops him, holds him, and he's not hitting him. He says, dude, what are you doing? I don't want to hurt you. Stop. That, that is an action of a father showing love. He could have bullied him because he's got him on the, he's down. He can do anything he wants to him. He's showing love to him and compassion to the guy. The guy's going to walk away saying, this guy could have destroyed me, but he didn't. Mm. He wanted to have that conversation with me. And, and people need that. People forgot what it feels like. It, it, all the internet stuff of like, oh, I can talk my shit and nothing happens to me. Bro, getting punched in the face will recalibrate the next time you talk to somebody. And that doesn't happen anymore. Somebody out overpowering you, showing you, bringing you to the ground, humbling you, letting you know your mouth could only pay so many things. That level of... That's why when my kids are at a certain age, immediate martial arts. Immediate martial arts. It shows you that you could have power, but most importantly, you could control that power. If you can't control that power, you're lost. More than anything in the world, you're lost. Um, but let's tap into the school system. The school system is at a place right now where it makes me at a point where I don't even want kids. I get scared of it because I see where it is. And my mother, kind of circling back to the paranoia, my mom was the type of mom that taught me everything's a mustard seed. Once you do something, you have to see where it's going to grow, right? You make a decision, but it's going to come with 15 other like effects that you have to be prepared for. So don't just look at the first decision and just make the first decision, right? So I'm peeling back. The school system and how they're teaching our children about sex or they're teaching our children about certain type of things that should only be discussed in a home. I've thought about this sincerely from both sides. Sincerely from both sides because I'm truly on the side of that's fucking gross. Get out of my face with it. But that I can't, I can't come into a conversation to talk to somebody who believes that that's okay with the attitude of fuck out of my face, right? Their opinion on teaching kids this type of stuff is a faith-based thing. They believe they should be able to do that. If we're not allowed to talk about God, and that's a faith-based thing, I think the thing is if they took prayer out of kids so they could pray on the kids. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who you are. You could be a Christian, you could be a Muslim, you could be a Scientologist. When you're a child, you're an empty vessel. So what you're programming these children to believe is gonna be a substantial thing in their life. If they feel like they need to teach this type of behavior or this type of quality, mm -hmm. I believe we should at least meet them in the middle. Have an after school program where the parents need to sign off on it and the children needs to sign off on it. Cause I can't look at you and be like, no, you're fucking wrong, you're out of here. Because I don't want anybody to do that to my kids when it comes about Christ. Everybody has the ability to choose what they want. Mm. If God came down in the form of human and literally said, you choose what your life is, and he's the almighty God, who am I to tell you, nah, you can't be doing that. But it should be something where the parents need to discuss it first, because that is a faith-based thing. I'm not going to children at six years old telling them about Jesus Christ without their parents knowing about it. It's not my right. I'm not teaching them about sex. It's not my right. That is a father and a mother's decision to teach the children that. How do we incorporate this in America for them to understand in a loving way? Because what they're saying is, no, I grew up in the closet. Nobody taught me about this, blah, blah, blah. And I get that that's, that's a hard thing to deal with. I understand, but you can't take that out on our children. What is your basis on trying to fix this? You're a tolerant Christian is what you are. 
and you're uh, 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 you're gonna go through it when you have kids, and you're gonna have your moment when you're gonna call and you and I will have a conversation, and you say, Pat, I'm dealing with this, bro. What do you think? And we'll talk about it. You know, as a father, when you go through it, it's different when you're in it right now. You're doing like. One of the things I would talk to my uh, wife about before we even had kids or before we even got married, I'd be laying in bed. I'm like, what if one day my daughter comes up to me and she says this to me? I'm going to tell her this. Then I'm going to tell her this. And she's going to tell <laughs> me this, right? <laughs> okay. So I get that, right? You're kinda, I'm preparing for the I know, conversation. Totally get it. Totally. Get, and you, by the way, you know what's one of the hardest conversations I had to have? How am I going to process my daughter choosing to have sex before getting married? How am I going to handle it? Do you know how much in my own brain I had to go through that to feel comfortable and get myself in a position to not be so overly paranoid where I cannot enjoy the love I have for my daughters. It's very hard for me to go through. But I finally got to a point where I'm okay with it. But let me go back to you, the, the lazy Christian side. Look, do we know what immoral is? Do we, do, we, do we have a standard to define what is immorality? Is, is what's immoral whatever you think is immoral? Is that what the definition of immoral is? We no, we no longer want to define what is moral and what is immoral. Mm. We, we no longer want to sit there and say, this behavior is immoral. You can choose to do it, but guess what? That doesn't make it moral. Mm. You're choosing to exercise immoral behavior, no problem. But just so you know, it's still immoral. Okay? Yes. No problem. Okay. I don't think we need to uh, cave to this gang that is pushing on us in a certain way where we're afraid because look for example like i watch uh, the the podcast with uh, uh your first time i i saw your material and i fell in love with what you were talking about was on the uh, the impulsive podcast right and you know i watch logan and i watch jake okay these are uh, two household names, brothers. They're in the top five brothers in the world. Influencers. They're one of those names that you look at. Okay, they're one of them. You you can put, you know, Tate's Hemsworth. With a bunch of these brothers that we can put in that category, right? And I asked myself, like the other day, some clip was shown, and Logan and Jake are going, and you know. Jake has got a black guy. No, Logan's got a black guy, and he's holding Prime like this, and he's saying. Uh, what did he say? He says, yeah, if I fight him, I, you took uh, Fury away from me. He said, I'm going to go out and finish Fury. Well, you took Diaz away from me because I would have done this to Diaz. He says, well, what are you talking about? You're not even a boxer. You're this. And then he says, uh, Jake says, I'm a boxer. Who are you? You're an exhibition guy. You don't even win. You just do exhibition. He says, exhibition. I wouldn't have fought with Mayweather eight rounds and all this other stuff. And the, other t the entire time he's holding this, right? Prime, the logo like this. He's handling it like this. Okay. I'm glad you noticed uh, that. So, so I'm standing there myself, and I said, I swear to God, if, if that was those two were my sons, I would fly to Puerto Rico, and I would bring some of the most interesting people from low places, and we would not leave until I put the fear of God in their spirit to say, if you guys ever show a sign of lack of belief in each other, you have no idea what I will do to you. Privately, beat the crap out of each other. Make fun of each other. Do whatever you want. Don't you ever, at the cost of promoting a drink, ever, ever, don't you ever call each other out publicly 
whether you're talking to each other and saying, let's create some controversy so other people can talk about it to promote their drink, totally fine. If you sell that thing for $600 million or $1 billion or $10 billion, your grandkids are going to see that and your kids are going to see that. And what are you going to explain to every single one? Oh, that was just a marketing gimmick. So your entire family is going to be a marketing gimmick? What are you talking about? No, I'm not for that. That's not proper behavior. Now, let me give the flip side of it. Did it get him an additional 100 million eyeballs of seeing Prime? Of course it did. But what did it cost? But that's the part about it. We have to define moral and immoral. You know, Jake, we can look at it from the stand of, hey, bro, let's talk some shit to each other. Let's get people to talk crap about each other. Let's promote Prime. You got some equity in it. Anyways, and let's do this. Let's say they had that conversation, okay? Then one could say, oh, great marketing gimmick. Great. Let's say that conversation wasn't had. I mean, it wasn't, but yeah. But let's just say that conversation wasn't had. What are you doing to Jake, bro? What are you, what are you guys doing? Exactly. Guys, like, just, you know, like, my, you know, here's a game I play with my sons, okay? Um, I sat him down. And I said, you guys matter more to each other than I matter to you. Why, daddy? Because you guys are going to be in each other's lives more than I'm going to be in your life. I said, it, it, one of the brothers said something to the other brother. I said, what did you just say? He said, he said this. I said, what, what did you just say to him? No problem. Let's go to my bedroom. We go to the bedroom. They're thinking they're going to get Papa and stuff like that. I said, nope. I said, here's the camera. It's my phone. Nonstop, you give him a compliment, you give him a compliment. I'm going to come back after you guys are done giving compliments. And I want to see who's going to give a better, sincere, real compliment to the other person. If you give a fake compliment, you're in trouble. Don't bullshit each other. Real compliments... Because the world is so ugly. If there's anyone that cannot be ugly to you, is your brother. It's not going to happen in this household. Mm. So they sat there. I go take a shower. I come back. And they're still going at it. And next thing you see, they're like becoming like this. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing that's happening. A bond between those two guys. What am I doing with these guys? These guys got to stay close to each other. How many siblings don't even want to talk to each other? Like, well, no, it's not going to happen. So, so going back to the, we have to define what's immoral. No, bro, this is not moral behavior. So you want to exercise teaching a boy about how to give a blowjob? Go do it in your household. Yeah. You ain't going to do it in school. Yeah. I, by the way, if you're a parent, you want to teach your son how to give it, go for it. Do it. Not in school. Yeah. That's your, it's your kid. You go do it. There are certain things that we can't sit there and be so tolerant about just because we're so worried that somebody from a community that we're getting a sponsorship from or somebody from our community that's going to go out there and do this, we become like everybody else. Like, I'll give you an idea here, numbers for you to be thinking about. So, July of last year was an epic, epic month, historic month. Why? Because that was the first time where streaming passed up cable. The viewership went like uh, some 34.4% to 34.8%, okay? Membership. So, so, so you got 34.4% is cable, 34.8% is streaming. It passed it up, July of last year. Numbers came back this month for July of this year. That went from 34.8 streaming to 34.4. The 34.8 went to 38.9. And the 34.4 went to 29.7. 9.1% difference. Some number like that, right? When you look at it. 20, whatever the numbers. You can find a Nielsen, Nielsen, Nielsen report. What the hell is going on with cable? What's keeping cable in business? Three things. What are the three things? Old people watching news. MSNBC, CNN, Fox. Boomer. Right, boomers. Which, by the way, we're not all going to live forever. That's going to go away. Which means, if you just look at the boomer model in 20 years, cables like staying gone. gone. Yeah. Number two is sports. sports okay. Yeah. Which nowadays, Tom introduced me to 
uh, 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 Hulu. My cable was down. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to watch a World Series. What's going on? He said, just go on Hulu. So how, what is, how do I get or on Hulu? the ESPN app. You right, know? that's right. Did, so you, now, did you say Tom? Tom, Tom Ellsworth. So Tom Ellsworth, uh, my, one of my partners. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, shoot, this is great. This is sick. Now I can watch. This is, I love Hulu. Okay. So you know who the third one is that's keeping cable in business? Pharma. Pharma. Do you know what percentage of every dollar uh, on sponsorship and ads cable TV gets from pharma? What percentage is from pharma? Percentage for every dollar. Percentage. So think about movie commercials, you know, car commercials, clothing commercials, all these different companies that do commercials. So many industries. Something that do ridiculous like 70%. It's 75%. You're right. 75%. So check this out. Watch how crazy this is. Watch how crazy this is. Okay. How is it, that even legal to do that? Can you, while I'm doing this, just on your phone, Google, what percentage of pharma cable advertisement, it's going to come up saying 75%. Now watch this. 75%, right? Stay with me here. So now we have to answer the question. Is it moral to advertise getting more people taking drugs? Okay. What's wrong with that? It's their choice. They got to do it. No problem. So then why is it out of nearly 200 countries in the world, only two of them allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise on TV and the other 198 don't? Who are the two company, countries? U.S. and New Zealand. Why? Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. You mean to tell me Germany doesn't allow? Nope. You mean to tell me China, Japan? Nope. Not even Venezuela? Nope. Damn, that's Canada? crazy. No, no. Only two countries? Yes. Why? I don't get it. Because they allow it. 75%. 75%. You're out of your mind. Yes. So what if a president gets elected? Now watch this here. President gets elected as an executive order. Moving forward, guess what? Big Pharma can't advertise anymore because it's gone. immoral. You know what happens? Cable is gone. Gone. Wiped mm -hmm. out. Some of these guys that are making 8 million a year, 10 million a year, 20 million a year, they're going to go and have a meeting with the agent from WME and CA, and they're going to say what? Listen, John, we can't pay you 20 million a year, bro. We just lost 75% of our revenues. We can only pay you 3 million a year. That guy that was making 20 million a year reading teleprompters is going to have to go make in the podcast world. He's going to realize how hard this game is. This is a, not an easy game. But what's stopping them from coming here? This is, this is not easy, brother. This no, I'm saying like if they conquered TV to, to take oh, to, over uh, commercials. To go right? to YouTube and all that other That's stuff. That's what I'm saying because no. gambling's doing that right now. But by the way, they can say no. They can say no. We're not the. Uh, it, there's no advertising with Big Pharma. Right now, if you go look at your commercials on your YouTube videos, sometimes go watch your videos and just watch who does the ads. Do you ever do that? To yeah, kinda, of course. Okay, so you're like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, these guys are interested in my product. Okay, cool. That guy's running an ad? Huh. But you can't control it. But that's fine. What I'm trying to say is that's fine. The point is the subscription model doesn't rely on Big Pharma money, but the cable model relies on Big Pharma money. The subscription model... Netflix has got 200 and whatever, 10 million, 20 million people that are paying 12 bucks a month. And guess what? They just raised the price by two bucks. Guess what we did? No one complained. We're like, okay, cool. They've done it a few times. No one yeah, they've done it. And we haven't complained. It keeps going up because the subscription model, which is the direction that Elon's trying to go to, if you go to the model where you don't need ad money, you, you don't have to say what they're forcing you You're to free. say. So mm -hmm. This is the whole part where I'm going to, where some of these schools are saying what the union is saying. The union's got three million, NEA, the three million members part of the union. That's a powerful company. The union leaders are getting paid $500,000, $600,000 a year. So whatever place where you no longer fear having to endorse somebody and say somebody because you don't want to lose that audience, 
That's, that now you're officially free. So I, all I'm saying is we have to define what is moral and immoral and take the immoral so stuff out of school. That part right there. I love that. And I back you. If you're running for president, you got my vote. And I would tell my children <laughs> to follow my lead, right? I love your belief system. But here's my question. The reason why pharma took over the commercials is because there's two gods in this world. There's money and there's the real God, right? People that don't know a higher power in a moral state... They are not going to be on our rule set. So your question is, who who's the one that holds this, the 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 law of morals? If you don't believe in God, why do I have to follow your morals? So my question is, who holds the right and wrong of what's right or wrong? You could sit here all day and say, like, this is immoral. But I could sit back as anybody could be and be like, well, that's your choice. You know, it's crazy. I had Graham Stephan here. I don't know if you know Graham Stephan. He's a YouTuber. He's got like four or five million subscribers. Finance does a very good job. 32, 33 year old guy, super successful, makes six, seven, eight million a year, has done very well for himself, sold 180 plus million dollars of real estate. We're doing a podcast here, he flies out, and I said, uh, he asked me all these questions about parenting, all this stuff, because he's about to have, you know, he wants to have family as well, get married. I said, hey, okay, let's play this game. Because he's saying, I don't think we need to take, put God in school and take out LGBTQ because people need to be aware of what's going on and it's not fair. For the longest time, people couldn't be able to come out of the closet and all this stuff because they felt judged and all these things. Fine, no problem, let's play that card, okay? So you're asking what's moral, what's immoral? I said, Graham, question for you. Your wife comes home and she tells you, she says, babe, kids are gonna go hang out with XYZ on Saturday. And he's gonna go hang out with this, uh, this kid, his uh, good friend Jason in school. What's the question you're gonna ask your wife? Who am I gonna? What are you gonna ask your wife? Who the fuck are these people? Who are the parents? Yeah, who okay. are the parents? So, who, who is gonna influence my child? Totally fine. Yeah. And I said to Graham, I said, Graham, uh, Graham's not a Christian. He's not. He doesn't. Be he believes in a potential creator, but he doesn't believe in Jesus or God. Mm. He believes there is a creator, but whoever that creator is, it's a different kind of a creator. Okay, I said no problem. I said so. I'm gonna give you three situations. You tell me who you want your kids to go with. He said, okay, go for it. I said the first person your wife says. Oh, uh, the wife is a teacher at the local Christian school, and the father's an engineer, but his dad used to be a, you know, a senior pastor at a local church here. Okay, cool. Second one. Uh, it's a single father that's got two kids. He raised the kids. The mom is no longer there. Apparently something happened with the mom disappeared. She left with another man, but it's a father raising two kids. It's these two kids. Okay, cool. The third one, it's a mother. She's funny as hell. She's freaking hilarious, but... She does smoke weed, but, uh, you know, she's on Section 8, and she gets some money. But, dude, she's the funniest cat out there. We, she's so hilarious. Who are you going to feel comfortable, your kids, going to their house and playing all afternoon, and you're not there? Graham says, of course, the, uh, the one with the uh, school teacher, Christian. I said, okay, how about the second one? The father. How about the third one, mother? I said, based on what, though? How, how did you come up with your uh, decision-making process? Based on what? Mm. I said, you feel safer that a kid of yours is around somebody that is a school teacher that's christian why do you feel that way what you're not a christian why do you feel so much safer around that's so, okay so now let's take it to a different place you have to choose a mother who's got kids a mom's decision will be made purely on what country she wants to take their kids to based on an s letter word the, a woman's gonna marry a man based on one word first and it's the s word what is it safe safe I want my kids to be safe and secure, no problem. So guess what? She wants a place that's got cops. She wants a place that's got military. She wants a place that the kids are not going to be bullied. She wants a place that's going to be safe. She wants to make sure the husband's going to protect her. She's going to face safe, feel safe. When she has the kids, the money, money's going to be there. All this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I said, 
You got three countries to go to to raise your family. One country is ran by a leader who is a, an atheist. The entire country's foundation, the Constitution, is built on atheism. Another one is built on Christianity. Another one is built on Hindu. What country, not saying you become that religion, what country do you want to raise your kids based on those three religions? Oh, of course, Christianity. Why? Why, why do you choose that? What's the second one? Hindu. What's the third one? Atheist. But why, though? Because you know their morals, you know their values, you know what they stand because on. Because there is a certain set of values and principles. This is not about let's go see what happened when he resurrected and have that debate. Because the values and principles that are taught have produced places that are safe and secure where you want to go live there. What are the this foundations? This is why yeah. 45, now 51 million immigrants are in America. Number one leaders bulletin. No one's even close to us. And only one country in the world has ever gotten the reputation of being the country's name than dream. We don't say Russian dream. We don't say Chinese dream. We don't say Indian dream. We only say the American, American dream, dream. Yeah. because of a certain set of values and principles that this thing was built on. Now, they're going to go and say, well, Thomas Jefferson was a womanizer. And, you know, that per president was gay. I don't care what they did and how they lived their lives. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you, these are the values and principles that's moral, and this is what's immoral. You and I get to choose to. I've made a lot of immoral decisions in my life. So have you. Mm. I made some decisions I'm ashamed of. Great, that's mm -hmm. mine and him. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Okay, we've done that. I know I was being immoral. I made the choice. But guess what? Don't teach my kids to be immoral. They're going to learn it already on their own because of temptation of life. And especially in our school system. That's problematic to me. There's a Christian joke that goes, there was a demon fall. There's two demons. One demon is exhausted. And he is trying so hard to get this man to sin. And he can't. He's chasing him up and down. But this guy is just in it. And he's doing so well in life. He turns to this other demon. And this other guy's on the on the couch drunk, fucked up. Doesn't got going anything on. Like, there's nothing going on for this guy. And uh, the demon comes up to the other demon and goes, how the fuck are you doing this, bro? How are you getting this guy to, to do drugs, to, to cheat, to beat, to lie? He goes, dude, you're doing too much. Just make him lazy. And then everything else follows. So my question to you. The school system, we point our fingers at. What the fuck is up with you guys? But when I was growing up, Pat, my parents would never let me go to other people's houses because they were scared of who was running that house, right? Everybody came to our house. In fact, we have an ongoing joke in my neighborhood. The parents would always say, what did George's parents say? And so the, the kids would get mad at me like, dude, why the fuck is your mom and dad saying this? Okay. But what I saw, Pat, is when my mom dropped me off at school, she was there locking in who's the teacher, who's the principal, who's this, what are you teaching, what are you doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then I would see my other friends, they were there by themselves. So is it the school's fault or is it the home's fault for dropping off the kids there being like, you deal with it? Yeah. Well, first of all, remember 1940, 4% of kids born to a mother that's a single mother. Today's 40%. That's 10x. That is not a number to be bragging about. That's a terrible number. And by the way, it's one of the worst in the world out of all the countries in the world. It's one of the worst numbers. How did that happen? What happened since there? Did we take the Bible and church out of school with Woodrow Wilson when we became too secular? Maybe. What else did we do? FDR came up with policies to give benefits, Social Security and money to single mothers. Then in 1964-65, LBJ increased those policies 
to give more, and they raised it where the federal expenditure went to 15%. And then all of a sudden, today, there's incentives to have more kids out of wedlock. And by the way, if that woman marries a man that has an income, and they find that the tax code, those benefits stop from the, from the government. So why would I get married and try to... No, uh, the tax... The tax code is set up to ruin the freaking household. The, the, look, I want a sales... If the house com- is divided, it yes, cannot stand. But, but it's the compensation structure. The tax code is a comp structure. Look, what does YouTube pay us? What's the structure on ads? 70-30. Whatever the structure is. Some say 50, 55-45, 70-30, whatever the number. Say 70-30. Okay, sure. great. Guess what? That's the comp structure that they want to pay us. Okay? If they choose to bring another way, and then they're going to say, well... You know, if we comp it this way, we're losing talent to Rumble. Guys are going to Spotify. They're signing these over here. Maybe we got to increase our comp. Maybe we got to do this. In a sales company, one time, I changed my insurance comp, comp structure so many different times. One day I get a call from an insurance company saying, hey, Pat, I got to tell you, man, we're getting a lot of bogus business. Out of 100 policies you're sending, only 40 of them are getting placed and approved. I said, what? Yes, only 40 of them are getting placed and approved. That's horrible numbers, by the way. And I, they said, if you continue like this, we have to drop half your sales force. I said, I can't, I'll be out of business. Mm. So I came back. And what am I looking at? Boom, boom, boom. So, okay, our compensation. It's all my fault. I created comp to do bad behavior. Okay? So then we changed the comp plan, and then good behavior showed up. And then, boom. Again, we introduced a contest that was called the March Madness Contest. All the offices were competing against each other. And the last day of the month, we would get 2,000 policies just so this office can beat the other office because we're given a bar of gold that was $60,000. Well, the guy submitted a bunch of bogus business on the 31st, and it takes us 90 days to find out if that business was good. But we gave the bar of gold, but that was shitty business. So we said, no more March Madness, no more this contest. Our placement went up 25% in quality overnight because you no longer had incentive to send bogus business to win a sales contest. That eliminated. Our comp structure in America is our tax code. It's incentivizing you to keep having kids out of wedlock. So... One is the tax code and the entitlement programs that we came up with from FDR to LBJ to where we are today. By the way, I'll give you a number here for you to be thinking about. Let's just say you make $63,000 per year, okay? And out of your $63,000 per year, you're a Syrian, you love your mom, you love your dad. What percentage of that? You two are living together, you got a family, you're trying to pay the rent, all this stuff. What percentage of your $63,000 a year, which is roughly $5,200 a month, are you comfortable giving to your mom to help out on a monthly basis? What part do you think it's fine without ruining your marriage? Well, that's a tough question because really, from my standpoint, <laughs> it's like I got to honor my mom and dad. So everything I do totally is for fine, them. But, but then again, I'm in the marriage, so exactly. I have to respect my, my wife. So I would say whatever could – my dad taught me uh, help somebody, but don't let you helping them break you. So I would build my foundation and give enough that I could that it wouldn't break my own house. Give me a number, 5%, which is, you know, 200. I would say, I, I feel like 10%. Okay, fine, 500 bucks a month, no yeah. problem. You ready? You know why I said specifically $63,000? Because America's federal expenditure is $63,000, except at eight zeros, which becomes $6.3 trillion. You know what percentage of our $6.3 trillion we give in entitlement programs? 53%. 53%. Oh, so, so this is the demons making the people lazy. Yes, 53%, George. What are we talking about? We're I mean, bro, it's it's obviously not going to, to, to good places. It, but it's not. But here's the other part. Remember, remember, 
So, so Vinny is also Syrian, and I don't know if you know Vinny. The Vinny Oshana. Vinny Oshana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinny's also Syrian. Vinny's next door right now. Uh, uh, so Vinny first comes here. He's like, well, you know, you, vote doesn't matter, and we can't do anything, and one, and nothing's going to happen. None of these guys are going to get in trouble, and nothing's ever. No one's going to be held accountable. I said, listen, that's exactly how the enemy wants you to think mm -hmm. to be defeated. Because when we feel that way, we they win. Because then you're going to be like, what's the point of my life? What's the point? We won. We we won. We broke you, bro. That's freaking awesome. That's the eyes you were talking about. That's the about. eyes I'm talking about earlier. But then they're all of a sudden like, who is this guy? Man, this guy, you got to be careful with him because he's converting a lot of people and they're starting to think for themselves. We got to do something about this guy. And all of a sudden it's 10 people, 20 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, 100,000, million people. Oh, shit. Now we're in trouble. Now we got a million disciples like this. What the hell are we going to do now? Now it's game over. Now it's game over. Now you got a million people that understood the game and how many families you broke, how many marriages you broke, how many relationships you broke, how many incredible kids with incredible talents. You stole their dreams away from them by giving them free money and that dream. Like when I told you I met Dylan, I said, Dylan, I can't imagine life not meeting you. Can you imagine that person? This guy goes to heaven. He dies his entire life. His dream was to be the greatest general in the world. He goes to heaven and he says, hey, you know, since I was a kid, I always studied military and I wanted to, um, you know, I always studied war and generals and all this stuff. Can you tell me, who do you think was the greatest general we ever had in America? He says, what a stupid question you're asking. Why would you ask a question like that? He says, I want to know who's the best general. I'm dead now. I'm, now. I'm here now. Who's the best general ever? So are you serious? He says, yeah, I am. Was it Patton? Was it this? Was it that? He says, no, dummy. It was you. Me? I, I, I never joined the army. Of course you never did. Because we sent 17 recruiters to you. Those were the angels. We sent people to inspire you to go into the damn army. If you would have joined, you were supposed to be the greatest general ever. But you missed out. Because you didn't do that. The guy's in tears crying. Of course this is a fictional story. That I'm telling, it's but a, the point is, story, they stole his. They stole his dream, the, and the, they the, made him choose that. Yeah, they made him choose that. That's and, the craziest and then part. All of a sudden, can you imagine? Like for example, imagine you know uh, uh, you are raised by a single mother. Your dad's not in the picture to say give them money, but not enough to break your back. Hey, the, the, all these principles you keep spitting out from the father and mom that gave you. Hey. I love you the most, but mom, do you really love me the most? Nope, God loves you more. So your loyalty went here because she knows when she's not here, you're going to be fine when you're by yourself. You're not going to be scared. These are great principles to teach. Okay, what if your family also fell forward? What if your mother had seven kids out of wedlock? Then what? What if she's also going through that part? Now, here's the part. We're not judging anybody. Trust me. This isn't a message of how dare you say this stuff? How dare you take it from 4% to 40%? How dare you put it on me? That's on you, your policies, your tax code, your principles that you took God out of school, your concept of trying to teach immoral concepts to kids. That's you doing it. How dare you make us feel guilty about it? So we walk on eggshells. You should be walking on eggshells. Don't put it on us. No, I'm not buying it. Mm. I'm not buying it. So this is the concept when you try to really break this down and, and you, 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 you realize it's not just like an answer that's a one-step answer. It's a great element of a deceptive sequencing of 60, 70, 80 years of taking to get here. By the way, this whole concept when FDR said, if we give this money to single mothers, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix the gap of the wealthy and the poor. And guess what happened? Within 60 years... 55 years it took us 
for that wealth gap to reach here and the amount of money we invested, national money, like our federal expenditure. You know what happened all of a sudden? This went down, but the debt went to the roof. You know how much debt we got right now? We're freaking in debt so much money. Who's going to pay for it? They're going to write it off? What's going to happen with that? We're going to go back to the gold standard? Who's going to take care of this? Oh, don't worry about it. You guys are young. You'll figure it out. What do you mean I'm young? I, my kids are going to take care. What are we going to, what are we going to be responsible about? The, are we going to really talk about the fact that we can't afford Social Security? We can't afford all these. When are we going to cut Section 8? When are we going to cut all these incentive programs? You keep talking about, well, we should give 12, 12 weeks of maternity, paternity. Let the husband and the father go spend time with the kids. We should pay for that as taxpayers. Fine, let's entertain that, but take the damn incentives out for women to keep having more kids, single mothers, because that 40% needs to go back down to 10%. That's going to take a couple decades to get there, and it's going to take courageous leaders who are going to wake up and say, damn, all of this is starting to make a lot of sense. Then let's do something about it. This yeah. is why. This is why when I go around and I talk to different people and I say, hey, when are you going to run? When you get into office, there's a few ways you can give back. Oh, man, I've, I've never thought about it myself. Okay, you need to start thinking about it. What are you talking about? I'm not the guy. Guess what? Those who think it's foolish to study politics will be governed by those fools who do. Mm -hmm. Those who think it's foolish to study politics will be governed by fools who do. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. That's either Plato or Socrates who said one of those things. Whoever said it, we can give them the credit. We can't sit around and say, no, it's just politics is ugly. That's exactly what they want you to say. No, it's not good to talk about religion. That's exactly what they want you to believe. But mm -hmm. that's what the high-level people that I'm around, that I talk to, or you're around, we want to talk politics. We want to talk business. We want to talk marriage. We want to talk parenting. We want to talk religion. We want to have these kinds of conversations. Yesterday, I had a nice 30-minute conversation with this YouTuber. His name is Dean. He's a Muslim guy. And... You know, uh, I'm having a big Muslim debate uh, end of September, and I'm bringing two Muslims and two who are against Muslims, and we're going to have a nice little conversation together in, my, uh, uh, in the podcast. I can't wait for that. And I'm like, oh, you, how were you able to pull these guys off? The I'm, it's a safe place. You can come. Let's talk. But we're having a conversation yesterday. I said, listen, man, you got your team prophet Muhammad. I'm team Jesus. But I got to tell you something that we have to understand here together. We can sit and debate and argue the faith part all the, all the time. Let's do that over dinner and let's have a good time, you and I, no problem. But I'm going to tell you what I love about the fact that your faith, the people in your faith, you guys will not compromise your beliefs mm -hmm. when it comes down to the way they raise you. It says, oh, not at all. Phenomenal conversation. I had this conversation with Habib last week, Nur Muhammad, the fighter, Habib. We had the incredible conversation about He's a Muslim. Dean's a Muslim. So what happens there is now, let me get this straight. Christians and Muslims unite Nah, that's not going to happen. Ain't that scary if they do? That is kind of scary if they do. Exactly. Exactly. It, the, these are some of the things that's happening behind closed doors. Why I'm so optimistic about why the future looks bright. Because when you speak common sense and you break things down to the average person and you're willing to do the due diligence yourself, like somebody's watching this right now saying, you know what, screw this guy. No problem. I agree. Go do the research yourself. And give you a counter argument based on data. Go do it. You're not scared of conversation. I'm okay with that, brother. That's the whole idea. It should be. You should never be scared. And if you're too scared of having that conversation, that means you really don't believe in what you believe in. Yeah. And you feel mm -hmm. like you're going to be proven wrong. Uh, I was, uh, again, I was raised in a liquor store. And I'll never forget this guy was trying to, my, my dad yelled at this guy because he was trying to sell his EBT card 
for double the amount for cash. So he would go, hey, to my dad, I'll give you this EBT card that has $100. Just give me 20 bucks cash. And my dad yelled at him and says, get the fuck out of here. And my dad told me, he goes, a lot of people at liquor stores will do this because they'll take the government's money and profit off these guys wanting to go buy alcohol or drugs with it. Um, and then literally that same day he took me and he goes, I want to show you something. And there was this man and woman and they lived in a one bedroom apartment. I'm not lying. A one bedroom apartment. I swear to you, but I couldn't believe it. There was five people living there. And I asked them, I asked my dad, I go, why do they keep having kids if they can't afford it? He goes, they're getting kids because they're getting money. The government will give you more money the more children you have. And I was like, so these kids are sitting here. One has one sock on. One kid's starving to death. The, nobody's monitoring what's actually <laughs> happening in this home. And at a young age, when you see this, you realize the people are, that are in power and they're making these laws and they're making these, they don't care about the homes. They care about their home. Yep. If your home suffers for their home to be better, they'll take that. And the best trick that they ever did is the same trick that the devil did to Adam and Eve. They made their decision. They gave them fake options and doors that they think is going to take them to a better life, but it really just led you down to hell. And they make you choose that. It's just, it's, it's so sad. We're now in a time where we're so reckless about human lives and we're so reckless about our children because I, I feel like at least... You know, there was a point where, I mean, there's evil everywhere, you know, all around us. But for the most part, we're all on the same page with how children should be treated. Children are innocent. You know, you don't swear around children. You don't talk about certain things around children, right? No matter who you are. And now it's just the complete opposite. And no, we need to tell them all these things because they need to know all this information so they can make their decisions. They don't know. You don't know what's going on when you you're a kid. You can't even comprehend it. Yeah, you have no idea. You're When you're a kid, you're so influenced by everyone that's around you. You know, when I was a kid, I was absolutely loved pink and pink everything. But then I had one girlfriend who I was really close with and she told me that I was too much of a girly girl for liking too much pink. So then I decided to paint my room blue. But that's not what I wanted. I was just influenced because I wanted to to make sure that, you know, we were on the same page and we were good. Mm. So I can't even imagine being a child now in a school system where adults are telling me, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? That's I, the uncomfortability. I, all these children, their innocence is being ripped away yep. from them because you don't start to think. And certainly as a girl, you don't start to think about even liking boys until you're maybe 12, 13. You're like, oh, you know, kiss me on the cheek, whatever, you know. But now... Under the age of 10, you're yeah. being asked who you like sexually. Oh, that's not even anything. They're that's, teaching you how to give a blowjob. Yeah, that's that's not... Yeah. You shouldn't know who you're interested in at, at that age when you're young. That's, that has to do with sex. That's something that you do when you're you're of age. You're, you're, you're 18 and the choices that you want to make as an adult, you know? So it's just sad that now we've come to a point where we don't even agree. We're not even on the same page that children are innocent. You, know, that, what's, you know what's a great thing, though, about life? Uh, uh, bad ideas get exposed. It just takes a while. Right. Bad policies get exposed eventually. It just takes a while. S social media forced us to all of a sudden look at certain people. Like, I remember one time, a guy comes up to me, this is like 10 years ago, eight years ago, and he says, hey, Pat, do you think my YouTube channel would grow more if you dropped more F-bombs? I said, uh, what do you mean? Well, this guy that's growing, man, he's always cursing. I think we got to start cursing. I said, you think that's why you grow? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, okay. I said, by the way, do it because it's part of your way of communicating. Okay. 
don't do it because you think that's what's going to bring you the eyeballs, right? Yeah, that's fake. And, and then eventually you're like, you know, yeah, that's not a good idea or this is not a good idea. And I don't know about the way we're doing this with kids or I don't know about what we're doing with this. So, so meaning social media confused us a little bit because just because somebody got 18 million views on a video, you're thinking that person's right. No, it's just a viral video. That's all it is. It's entertaining. It doesn't give it credibility. But the fact that 18 million people, I, I was with Dana White last week and we went to a super slap event. He said, you got to come see the Super Slap. I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm at this place. I'm like, I, I don't know why I like watching these Super Slap videos. Am I sick? Do I have issues? What are you doing watching this guy being knocked out? The same thing as a fight. Yeah. He says, Pat, I don't understand. Him, but all, I got to tell you, one video, 42 million views and all this. How? Okay. Guess what? That could be entertainment. Does that mean I need to go out the house and tell my kids to start slapping each other? <laughs> yeah, it's just, right. it's a form of an entertainment. Right. But you talk about the kids. Here's a problem. So Christians get upset when they say, uh, well, Pat, you know, this whole thing you're talking about Christians and Muslims getting together and all this stuff, I, you don't really understand what they, they want to be in Sharia law and they want to do this. Okay, no problem. So what are you upset about? Are you upset that Muslims are having more kids than you? Oh, so you don't want to compete? Got it. So you're a scared little Christian. You just want to have one or two kids. I got you. Stop being a coward and have six kids if you can. You go have eight kids. You go have five kids. Well, look at the, how fast Mormon church has grown. Respect to them. They have more than four or five kids. You know, when they meet somebody like, yeah, I come from a family of nine kids. Are you guys Mormons? No, we just, you, you know, that kind of oh, immediately. super. Yeah. No. Okay, great. Yeah, we are Mormons. Great. Guess what? Why don't Christians have nine kids? Right. Why don't you start talking? So in this insurance company that I have, I had a meeting uh, earlier in December or January of last year. I'm getting on my, I'm giving this, uh, we have all these different regional events I'm going to. And my entire message was about the wrong people are having too many kids, the right people are having too fewer kids. Why? Because, well, we, we, we have to be financially perfect. Everything needs to be right for us to have a kid. And we're going to have two kids and that's it. Why? Is it because you can't afford it? No, we can afford it. So why is it successful financial people that make a lot of money? You don't want to have more than, well, because we have to also enjoy ourselves. Oh, okay, I got you. Selfish. So, so guess what? Then don't, don't, don't bitch and complain when you're competition. If you're so concerned about what Muslims are doing, if you're so upset at what Mormons are doing, why don't you compete? Why don't you change your MO and start saying, hey, Christians, we need to start having more kids. And the number starts with four. Start having four kids. What happens if you start talking like that from an early on? In about 30 years, next thing you know, the Christian number is going to go from 1.7, 1.9, to all of a sudden 2.6, 2.8, 3.4, 3.9, 4.3, great. Because if you don't do it, Christians, if you're so worried, because Christians get upset at me all the time as well, even though I'm a Christian, in about 30, 40 years, yes, half the Senate's going to be Muslims. Congress people are going to be Muslims, not because they're trying to take over the world. Their job is to baptize, just like your job is to baptize, but you're a coward. You just want to have two kids. They understand legacy and protecting their, you know, what they want to do with their faith. They're having six kids. So stop complaining. Either do something about it or stop complaining. You have to compete. So this, this concept is also is very uh, uh, contradictory, you know, hippo, you know where we're kind of like hypocrites. We're kind of saying this and complaining. And it's like, that's not fair. Look what they're doing. No, it's fair. He reads more than you do. Well, it's not fair that he made $38,000 last month, but only made 11000 as a realtor. He runs 42 appointments. You run 19. What, what, what do you think is going to happen, brother? What are you upset about? So either compete or stop being envious. Pick and choose one of the two. Mm. You can't do both of them. So 
you know, I'm trying to come from a place here that if if we if we truly are about wanting to increase the values, principles, morality stuff that we believe in, we have to kind of start talking and saying really long-term type of conversations instead of short-term. Well, let but him do it. That's the problem. Well, let, Nobody wants to think long-term anymore. But guess what? I don't think it takes that many people. Mm. I, I, I don't think it takes that many people at all. I think it takes one person to light up a world. I think it takes one person to light up a a league. I think it takes one Brady to inspire 50 next Brady's that's going to come up with a Mahomes to want to change the game. I think it takes one Mike for everybody to grow up saying, sometimes I dream that he is me. You, like Mike, I want to be like Mike. Everybody's the tongue guy. You want to be Michael. It takes one Michael. It takes one. It takes one Billy Graham. It takes one. It takes one. So one person can give a message of hope and challenge your way of thinking to shift the way you view the world to say, why am I being such a little pansy? Do something about it. Then when you're privately by yourself and you hear certain conversations and you're like, Oh man, this was a heavy message, dude. I didn't want to freaking hear this. Are you kidding me? He's talking to me. I'm such a. He's. I, I got to stop being a little. You know, come on, man. You know. Okay, now you make. Okay, got it. Now you do something about it. Great, God. So we need some of these tough conversations. But the 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 idea of thinking we all need to agree at first. No, there's a certain level of friction. You got to go until the the populace says, you know what? Good point. Maybe that takes three years. Maybe it takes five years. Maybe it takes ten years. But all it takes is one person to light up the world. One person. Absolutely. Two years ago, Reed said something to me that stuck with me for so long because I didn't even notice it with myself until somebody pointed it out. And he said, I've never met a man who reflects as much as you. Like You sit there every day. You'll ask your friends. You'll ask your family. How do you feel about this thing that I did? What did you think? How did it make you feel? You even brought it up today to me. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. January 3rd, I asked you. Yeah, right off the bat. And... It, it dawned on me last week. I was thinking about it. I said, my God, I, I didn't even know that I was doing that. I must have picked it up from my father. But what a scurry world would it be if I was in a world in my life where I didn't reflect what I was doing. And I came to start now that I picked it up. Right. You start monitoring other other people. You wouldn't believe how many people as soon as they wake up. Boom. What is everybody else doing so before they go to bed? They're checking out what everybody else is doing. No, nobody's reflecting who they are anymore. Sitting in their own thoughts. And the only time they want to reflect on who they are is who they want to portray online. It's not even their identity anymore. It's the identity that they're putting out into the universe of the internet. But they don't even care who they are. I heard another kid, I made a joke about this on other podcasts. The other guy goes, I'd rather have my girl hot online than in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and this is a conversation I'm hearing like in an elevator. I, I, the world that we live in now is filtered through a screen. So my question that I'm building up here, how is us, uh, us-minded humans, how do we not bash the country that we live in, but build it up? Because it's so easy to just point your fingers on saying, well, the school's bad, the government's bad, this is bad. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to roll up your sleeves and be like, I know where we're at. How do we get to work? So if I had to ask you, as your son or as a peer that looks up to you, how the fuck do I, George Janko, Bell, read. How do we contribute to our country in a good way? Fantastic. Uh, the 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 first thing that I think. I mean, these are, I'm, I'm going to give you my thoughts, but you know, uh, first thing I think we we have to start from is the fact that my life changed the day I stopped. I started reading this one affirmation 
I had these 30, 40 affirmations I would read every day. Highest form of maturity is when you become independent of others' opinions. Be careful what you joke about or be sarcastic about because your spirit will have uh, stop having faith in the words that come out of your mouth. And I'm just reading all these things, right? Mm. And then one day, I added one that just, I felt like it lifted, like God knows how much weight off my back. Stop, stop trying to be God, that job's already taken. Like you, you can't solve everyone's problems, okay? Stop. Stop trying to be God. That job's already taken. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to solve everything. It's just not going to happen. You're going to need help. You're going to need people. And just kind of go, you know, and then do your thing and see what God's given you. Lead with that. Great. We have to start off with no judgment, okay? Amen. And that's, that's not easy to do, but we have to do with no judgment. For example, I'll talk to anybody. I'll sit down and have a conversation with you. I won't walk on eggshells around you. I'll give you my thoughts. How did you get to that level? How did you get to a level where you're not scared of uh, speaking your truth? Because that's what I deal with. I want to give them my advice and I yeah. want to give them my point of view, but I'm so scared that if Patrick doesn't marinate with what I just said, he not only goes in the opposite direction, he will never look at the direction that I'm going now. So there's always got to be an out for the individual. Yeah. Like there's got to be an out for the individual to choose to make the wrong decision. That's okay. Mm. There's nothing wrong with making a wrong decision, man. You have to have the out. So, so the way I'll do it, I'll sit down and, you know, one time, you know, I'm talking to my chief compliance officer. This is 2003. I want to put a big-ass billboard in L.A. right in front of my, the 2004, 2000, I want to put this big-ass billboard. And I call my chief compliance officer. He, he, we, him and I always talk about this. I said, hey, I want to put this thing up. If I do, am I going to get fined? He said, yes. I said, who's going to find me? You may get fined by FINRA. What's the fine? $10,000. Okay. He says, Pat, don't do it. I said, no, no. It, but if I do do it, my fine is ten grand. That's all I need to know. So then guess what I have to decide? Is it worth being paid is, for? Is, I'll pay the fine 10 grand yeah. if I know that's my fine. Yeah. I said, but there's nothing worse than the 10 grand fine. He says, no, that's all they can do to you. No problem. So I know I'm making the wrong decision, but I know. Guess what? I never did it. But I knew my cost was $10,000. Okay. Hey, uh, what happens if I put this in my body? Here's what's going to happen. Okay. I don't think we've had enough research to find out what's in the vaccine. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to take it. But my dad says, I'm going to take it. No problem. Super conservative guy. He takes the vaccines and takes four boosters. So Jesus. did my nanny. I didn't take it. I said, Pop, just so you know, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do. And then you do what you got to do. What are you doing? I'm not taking it. I think it's too little for us to get the data on it. Okay. I'm a different age. I'm going to take it. He gets bronchitis. He's 79 years old. When he gets bronchitis and COVID at the same time, we almost lost him. He's still with us, 81 years old. Amen. But he took the vaccine. But guess what? It's not like, how could you take it? How could No, that's his choice, man. He's got to have an out. We all got to have an out. I know, but if you love him so much, you're so scared of like something happening to him. What gets you past the strength of being like, oh, because that's God, right? God could go, hey, man, you have free choice. But when I have a daughter or I have my mom, I combat with them and I, maybe the anger comes out because I'm like, how the fuck are you not seeing that this is bad? And then you get angry and you get scared. What's the maturity growth that I that's have to also, go through? There's also not, nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with sometimes showing a little bit of emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. We're human beings. I mean, am I supposed to be a freaking robot? And you just be like, it, it, it. all these guys that are running for office, you're watching these guys. Like, Dude, you're fake. You're fake. That's why you're not getting the votes. That's why your ratings are going down. Talk to people, man. Stop talking to me on a script you've role played 700 times with your wife. Talk to me. Talk. What pisses you off? What are you not happy about? What's frustrating you? Speak to me. People want to know. We're adults. Let me make the decision. 
Don't talk to me like a freaking robot. It's fake. So we all, that, that's also okay. There's nothing wrong with a good heated discussion, dinner, argument, totally fine. As long as it's respectful, right? Mm-hmm. So now the, the next part is a skill is, I remember one time, uh, one of my good friends who I went to uh, first grade together in Iran, I went to junior high school together, Wilson Junior High School. I went to high school together. Then I went to the army together with them. Then we worked at Bally's together. Then we started a financial services business together, okay? And we eventually fell apart. So one day we're at Starbucks, and I'm trying to teach this guy how to make phone calls, okay? I'm 23 years old, 24 years old. I'm giving him the script. He's making the phone calls, and I'm getting angry. I told you not to say it like that. What are you doing? You don't say that. Hang up the phone. And the guy's panicking. You know what happened? He was afraid of making phone calls because mm. now he's walking on X. Scared the shit out of him. Scared the shit out of him. And I'm and he leaves, and I'm like, dude, you just killed the guy. He, this guy is scared shitless of not making phone calls. Yeah. What were you doing? So then you're kind of like, man, I gotta learn in a better way of presenting my argument to people to receive it. Mm. Okay. So then, if you really want to be a good communicator, you have to learn how to persuade. You have to learn how to be patient. You have to always learn to give an option out. And there's a way of that part comes with the ability to communicate if that's your game, if that's the world you're going to go in, which communication, no matter what you do, it's, it's something parenting, marriage, relationship, business, yeah, if you can't finance. Communicate, forget about it, it's, right? It's so over. It's, it is, a, and by the way, we don't teach that in school. We don't teach it in high school. Because we don't they don't, wanna, they don't yeah. really want to teach leaders. But again, that's the challenge we're going back to, right? We need to, what is more important in life? Am I going to need to learn more about communication than more about what it is to be gay, lesbian, trans, and all that stuff? Communicate, how come we're not doing it? We don't teach taxes. We don't teach marriage. We don't teach parenting. We don't need to teach the big decisions that we make in our lives. We don't teach, but we make decisions that we're never going to make in our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if teach. they knew communication, then they would be able to communicate how they sure. felt about the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. and, and by good, the way, good even the debate, we're afraid of debating. Universities, you can't debate in Berkeley. You what? can't debate on Stanford. No, meaning like if your position is an opposing position, Berkeley, for every 13 liberal professor, one is conservative. That's a monopoly. There is no debate. You can't have a debate. You're walking on eggshells. I'm at Harvard Business School, and I'm there for an OPM program, three-week program that they allow entrepreneurs. You're running a business about $10 million. You can come there. So 144 of us are together there from 64 countries. And it's the same three weeks that I'm there while Hillary Clinton and Trump are debating. And I go to the Chow Hall. Chow Hall is a name of a man named Chow who paid the facility to build their uh, cafeteria, and it's called the Chow Hall, C-H-A-O. Beautiful place. So I go there, and we're watching. 500 people, 400 people in this auditorium. So, boo! 100% of them. Yeah! 100% of them. I told the professor afterwards, I said, I'm sorry, just curious. Is this a university? Yes. Why do 100% of 400 people here all only agree with one candidate? This ain't no university. I'm not coming back here. I never went back. It was a three-year program. I never went back. Good for you. I said, what am I doing here? And, and I pushed everybody while I'm there. I'm not coming back. What am I going to come back here for? To do what? Yeah, university you, is the place you come you to. You claim this is a university, but you're frightened of a debate? Seriously? And you guys all been brainwashed to think one way. You think that's right. You don't have the courage to stand out. You're not a leader. You're, a conform- you're conforming to what other people are telling you to do. So to go back to your messaging, there's nothing wrong with having an emotional heated debate. As long as it's respectful. It's okay to have an argument. As long as it's respectful. We have to learn how to communicate better. We also have to learn to not avoid conflict. You know, there's a book that's written by Patrick Lencioni. It's a, it's a red book. 
He's written many uh, great books, but one of them is Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You know what's one of them? Avoidance of Conflict. Ray Dalio, Bridgewaterhouse, writes a book called Principles. You want to know what's one of the things he talks about? Radical transparency. He's built a big company. He's worth $20 billion, massive organization. We need radical transparency. We need to be able to address conflicts. We need to have some friendly debates. We need to be able to sit down and have these types of conversations. But we also learn how to communicate to deliver our message in a way that's still respectful, safe, and there is the risk of offending, and that's okay. Mm. When you enter a ring, okay, and you fight, whether it's UFC, MMA, boxing, what's the risk? Public humiliation of a video going viral. Mm. That is a mad, can you imagine, like, imagine you fight, and you get knocked out so bad, you stand up to walk, you've seen these videos, they stand up and they fall, and we're all like, oh my God, look at that. You know how many text messages afterwards? You think about what they're texting them. Think about the haters, what they're texting them. You got your ass beat, you piece of shit. You, exes. Ah, you saw his, I'm glad he knocked his ass out. It's public. There's risk to fighting. There's risk to debate. There's risk to offend. That's okay. Yeah. We got to kind of go through it. You know, we, you don't have to intentionally do certain things. Be respectful about it, but there's still that risk that's out there. And that's okay. We have to be okay with that. And, you know, it's what you said, too, about the being transparent, not being afraid, you know, not trying to avoid conflict. And I think that's something, too, that we have strongly in our relationship. You know, we're very big in communication and communicating how we feel. And, um, you know, there, I think in the beginning of our relationship, we our communication wasn't as strong. And then as we've been together, you know, our communication has grown really strong. Georgie is so good at communicating with me. You know, he's very transparent about how he feels so we can get things on the table and talk through things. But then... I came to a point where then I wasn't communicating as much because I was trying to avoid conflict. And he's like, don't keep your feelings because you're trying to avoid a conflict with me. Like, tell me how you feel so that we can figure it out. Because then I started holding his, I don't want to create a problem. I don't want to get into a yep. fight. I don't want to ruin yep. this cause day. separation. Yep. Absolutely. Because then I'm holding, you're holding these things in. You're building up resentment or whatever it might be. But if you put it out on the table and you have that conversation, then really what's the worst thing that can happen? Right? Amen. Absolutely. And also, here's the thing. It's like, you throw away your ego, I throw away my ego. We're a team. And we're living in a world right now where it's like, no, men, men, women ain't shit. Men need to run. Or men just thinking this. Or men, blah, blah. No, no, no. We're not listening to the outside world. We come together. We pray together. We respect each other. Mm. So when I say, yo, like speak your feelings, don't be worried about me being upset. I'm a piece of shit. If you tell me how you feel and I disregard it, and I'm like, no, that's fucking stupid, blah, blah, blah. Then what I told her is this. God leads our relationship. Live your life. And if I'm doing something wrong, God will take me out of your life. If you're doing something wrong, God will take you out of my life. That like that level of trust and faith and not only your partner but in a God gives you the security and the foundation for me to go out and hunt in this world and know that my woman stands with integrity behind my back. This type of relationship is almost doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. because people are so consumed on what what is Andrew saying? What is so-and-so saying? I got to be like that. You don't even mm -hmm. know... There's so many people that come up to me, and you were one of them in the beginning. You're like, nah, I don't fuck with Andrew Tate. And I said, give me one thing you don't like about him. Oh, he's degrading to women. Fine. Give me one thing he said that's degrading to women. Uh, okay, you're just you're just coming off of your decisions of what other people think. And because I've only I had only seen clips of that side of him. I hadn't actually watched myself what he actually has and, to say. And what did I say to you? I said, hey, 
do your homework for yourself evaluate your morals and his morals and then align them then make your decision don't just run with what somebody else hears and says and then come to me as your partner i go you just gather bad information and then gave it to me you poisoned our home don't bring that to the table come with the conclusion that you made on your own and then we'll discuss it and then we had to sit down and we literally sat down at the table and we watched so many podcasts pause how do you feel about what he said here and then we're communicating with each other mm. but that's communication i love that do you yeah. get what i'm saying yeah, of course that's why when you said do you know uh, i know you know what you're you're right i may not know everything in her past i know enough that i know that she's my partner yeah. of course yeah but, the, but by the way you're not you're not supposed to know everything you know the the samuel what time is it Okay. Dude, uh, I didn't know you had a hard out. The would, guy behind just went. Would you? <laughs> I'm okay because what Jen is still out there with, uh, with Dylan. They're not going to get home for a few minutes. Yeah. By the way, Berashim Ika Bichalatum. Do you have plans or no? No. Okay. Can you tell Alper to prepare for us, Sambel? Uh, Sambel, are you listening? Yeah. Can you prepare Alper to prepare food? And then also, it's going to be four of them. And if you can tell Vinny as well. Okay. Okay. Question. Right. Yeah. And if I ask this question, you promise me with your whole heart you won't get upset. No. Can I go to the bathroom again? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, God. Of I'm going to drink so much water, bro. Of I was like, course. dude, I can't do this. You want to say something? Yes. <laughs> no, leading off of that, and I think another thing, too, in this relationship that's been such a blessing is I've learned that, you know, it's okay to rely on somebody else and to not feel like you have to be the one to do it all. You know, I mm -hmm. have this big mentality of like, no, I have to do it on my own and I have to prove myself and it has to be, you know, I like to find out for myself. I don't want your help. I, I had a really hard time asking for help. And he, you know had made it so important, so valuable to me to be like, rely on me, be okay to, to rely on me, to ask me for help, to like, let me in if you need help with this. Like, don't feel like you need to, you know, do it on your own. And that also brings it back to why it is so important, I think, to have both parents in the household, because that shows you that it's a team and they have each other's back and they help each other out. And for me personally, you know, my mother didn't have that. And so, and I didn't have that. So in our minds, you know, we have to get it done on our own because nobody else is going to get it done yep. for us and nobody else is going to help us do it, you know? So I think that that's another really important thing with the communication, with having your, being communicative with your partners to knowing that you, that you should have each other's back to, to help each other regardless of what it is. The reason why you were so receptive to, to what I feel is good information is because you didn't walk into the relationship with pride. You were willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And, and, I had issues, uh, not like anger issues. I, it's so scary to say that because then people are going to think I'm like crazy. But like <laughs> I would nice pop off. Scary. And the reason I would pop off is because I didn't express myself. Mm -hmm. um, and you taught me how to express myself. So what happened was we feed off of each other. But it comes first with respect. Absolutely. And, and you don't mind me leading the house. And I, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And how you're my favorite blessing that God gave me. It's it's so uncomfortable to challenge somebody in your home. There should be no challenge. Like, how many times whenever you put a home-cooked meal, it's been four years, you put three meals in front of me on the table. Is there been, Has there ever been one time I didn't thank you, like, crazily thank what? you? No. It's Every time you act like it's the first time I cook for you. Exactly. It's because I'm nurturing you with things that you may have not had when you were growing up and 
it's okay to have hard conversations because it's re- it's better now to have a hard conversations in the privacy of our home than to have them publicly when we all split and it's like yo because of this and because of that and because of this so mm-hmm. i honestly am super grateful to have you in my life because you're a wise woman and also you and also you challenge me. You don't just sit back and be my yes woman. Oh yeah, babe, go do this, go do that. Like you will challenge me when we go home. And this is the most important one. She never embarrasses me in front of people. And man, I see my friends' girlfriends just love to jump on them when they make a mistake. Mm. She'll be quiet and meek. And when we come home, she'll be like, Can you sit down like this when you talk to this guy or this when you brought up this? Like, you know you got and I and as a man, a lot of times you're like, nah, what the fuck? But then I'm like, I don't want to lose this woman. And I don't want to lose this blessing, so I got to humble oh, that's myself. So like, great, man. That's that's wisdom. But you know, that's also like uh, uh, your your parents have raised you very well, and you have used your experiences to allow you to raise you well. It's a very interesting dynamic with the with the two of you guys. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, Thank it's you. exciting. Thank you. Back to you. I got one question. Tell me. I know you never wanted to be the president, and I know because you're, you were born in Iran, you can't be the president. No. So you don't want to be, and you, you, you technically couldn't as, at the moment of where our country's at. But if you were, what are four policies you would immediately put into place? Uh, I would change the tax code to incentivize the right behavior. So we would sit there with, I would bring 10 predictive analytics guys and uh, uh, hire some of the best mathematicians and I would say, go model our current tax system. That's what, 76,000 pages and maybe it's even 80,000 pages today and break down what's gonna produce these behaviors. So for example, if we want more families and to be together, What if we eliminated these behaviors that's producing all these single mothers? What if we change the incentive plan to produce more households that are father and mother in the picture, okay? Mm -hmm. What tax code do we need for that? Fantastic, no problem. What tax code do we produce for us to wanna go out there and create more jobs for small businesses? Because we need more small businesses, not all these big businesses. So for example, all these banks going out of business, who's buying them? Chase is sitting around saying, oh, this is great. Keep increasing the interest rates. Keep it going. Love it. Why? Of course, they're not saying this publicly, but what happens every time they increase, increase the interest, interest rates? Signature can't make it. This guy can't make it, and they keep banks picking them sale. up. They keep picking. Banks are on sale right now in a big way. Fitch just lowered the rating on 15 different banks, and I think they even want to do with Chase. So tax code is number one. We have to really investigate and structure it in a way that produces the right behavior. That's one. Number two. Big Pharma is going to be one of them. So advertising for me out of a, a, a cable, you know, uh, that's going to be out, no problem. Use that money in a different way and actually get to work. And if you got good uh, solutions, great. Let's give you the incentive. Phenomenal. Go do it. Fantastic. Good for you guys. We want you to keep innovating. But at the same time, you don't need to go out there and keep talking about the stuff because it's incentivizing the wrong behavior. For example, if you and I own the cigar lounge together, how do we measure success? We measure success based on what? We got seven chairs in front of the bar. Those need to be filled. We got all these other chairs. We got 30 locker rooms over there. Each one's going to be $1,000 a month for a person to buy. Success here is if, if those 30 are rented, okay? Success here is if we're only going to do 100 memberships at 500 bucks a month, is for the 100 to be taken, right, by yep. different people. Yep. Great. Exclusive membership doesn't need to be public to everybody. It's private, so it's by invitation only. Great. If 22 are not rented, those lockers... We're in trouble, right? We got to fill those places. Okay. If you and I own a restaurant and we have 40 tables at a restaurant 
It's Friday, Saturday night. And our manager calls us. Hey, hey, uh, George, uh, Pat, we got to get on a call. What's going on? Uh, let me give you guys a report of what we got. I got 100% reservations at 6 for 40 tables. I got 100% reservations at 8 for 40 tables. And I'm able to work something out to put some at 9.30 at 20 tables. Great. So we're squared away today? Yes. How about Saturday? We're full. Good. Now, if he calls us and he says, man, I only have 22 reservations on a Friday night out of 40 tables at 6 o'clock. And I only have 17 reservations at 8 o'clock, and we're relying on walk-ins. That's problematic. Fantastic. So if you have hospitals, if we have hospitals, and we got 2,000 beds, what's success? More sick people. Yeah. Our comp is structured to have more sick people because hospitals make $400 to $1,800 a night as long as the beds are being used. If the beds are not used, you ain't making money. Incentive plan has to be structured in a way for you and I to be healthy. The healthier we are, we have to give a tax incentive to those individuals. For example, this insurance company that came to us one day, I think it's Hancock or it's uh, Hartford. It's one of those. So I think it is Hancock. They came out with this product called Vitality. And they sell the insurance product to you, and here's what they sell it with. With a Fitbit. With a what? With a Fitbit. Why Fitbit? If you're willing to wear the Fitbit, and you're allowing us to track your exercise... And the report comes to our website and showing us your exercise and your running. We will every quarter revalue and price your cost of insurance. It's going to go down every quarter because you're exercising. Why? Because the insurance company wants you to live longer. Okay? So they want you to be healthier. That incentive is incentivizing you to stay healthy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What a concept. Okay? So the entire structure is messed up based on incentives. One of the policies for me would be for sure on our uh, kids and schooling to say there's certain things we're not going to fund moving forward. We're just not going to fund this. So guess what, LAUSD? Guess what, NY? You know, guess what? We're not going to fund this stuff. So state funding, it's your deal, whatever. I'm not going to get involved. But federal funding, don't expect any federal funding if you're teaching these things. If you are, don't ask us for money. We're not supporting you. you got to collect it yourself. So you can't do the additional stuff that you're doing. Now, guess what? We will give incentives to school if they do X, Y, Z and teach this to their curriculum. No problem. Why has not that been taking place? There's a reason. Because the dumber we are, the easier it is to control us. The poorer we are, the easier it is to control that vote. There's a reason they don't want everybody to become financially free. Uh, you, you will understand this concept in a way where a mother, I'm talking to my trainer, and he's talking about the fact that his mother always broke up relationships. Anytime you brought a daughter home, they had like five brothers, she was never happy with any of the girls because... She ruined relationships because a mother wants to keep the boys to herself. Yeah. No one's good enough for my boy. No one's good enough for my son. That's the dynamic, right? The government is ran in a way that they don't think, you know, no, no, we don't want to lose your vote. We don't want to lose the influence over you. We want to have control of our kids. You ain't the mom. You're not, these are not your kids. These are not your kids. These are somebody else's kids. The incentive has to be changed there. And then, you know, a couple other things I would add to it. I would probably change the fact that we have 800 military bases worldwide. What for? Hawaii just went through their mess. Uh, now we're at 111 people dying as of today. If I give today's date so we know what the dates could change today, it's 747. It's uh, the 17th today. Okay, it's 111 people dead today, Hawaii. We haven't sent any money to them, but we're sending another $24 billion to Ukraine, and we've already sent $75 billion to them. So why are we taking care of we those guys? We never sent any money to us? $700 only per person is what we're sending, per families that were affected by it. That's it. 700 bucks? 700 bucks. And by the way, family. check this out. When did this event in Hawaii happen? 
on the 10th or 8th. Okay, so that's what? That's about 10 days ago? It's about a week ago if we can't find out when it happened. So check this out. I want you to process this real quick for me. We're moving so swiftly with Ukraine and Zelensky to help them out. You call me one night. You're living in this area. You call, you say, Pat, 2 o'clock, my car broke down in Miami. No one's picking up. No one's doing this. I don't have a card. I don't have my phone. The card is not linked to it. Uber, I can't get it because my card's expired. I need somebody to come pick me up. Everybody I'm calling I'm not, is not picking me up. Okay. What would you think if I came to Miami to pick you up a week later? I would think that you took forever. You, your reaction from me needs to be swift. Like you're expecting me to come support you when? Now. now. But if I tell you two weeks from, dude, I came to Miami. You're like, bro, you came a week later. I needed you now. Yeah. Could have walked Ma- him. Maui needed us 10 days ago. And we still haven't given him anything. Not, not a month from now that they're going to give money to Maui. Of course they're going to give money to Maui. Not a month from the fire. Not two weeks. I need you now. Why are they taking so long? So again, these are things that, these are great questions to ask that we're not taking care of our home. The amount of money we're spending over there, and we're so worried about the school shooting, you know how much of that money we could have spent on giving more protection and security in schools and maybe putting a cop or two in every school? Right. We could have spent that money there to do, how about all the veterans living in the streets? You say you're worried about homelessness? No, you're not. You're more worried about Ukraine. Why? So these are things that, you know, some of the things that we're trying to do, you know, like your father telling you, listen, help other people out, but not at the cost of breaking your back and ruins your family life, right? Okay. Yes. Guess what? We'll help out Ukraine. Here's a couple billion dollars. No problem. But hey, man, we got to take care of our family. And it's what? America. It's so confusing how we're running this country today with the way our money is being spent. And we keep getting more and more and more into debt. It's super confusing. And these are common sense conversations. Nothing I'm telling you, you're walking away saying, oh, my God, he, it's so complicated. No. I'm, 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 forgive me for my uh, stupidity on the knowledge of this, but I'm just starting to learn now because I'm not running away from that conversation. Uh, when it comes to inflation, I'm very new to this. Um, I should have probably studied a long time ago, but I didn't know it was important until now. Uh, from what I'm reviewing myself, I feel like inflation comes from one and one direction only. It's the printing of money. Like, for example, read, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, if I could bring this up, we could cut if you don't want. You're very excited about the uh, paying off of school debt. It's not happening. It's not it's happening, happening, but when it, w- it was happening, uh, I was like, great, that's a cool thing. They're you know, forgiving people's loans. But then the, the thought of printing money that we don't have who's making this decision if if i if i think of my country as my friend right if my friend came up to me he's like hey man i'm twenty thousand dollars in debt on this credit card and i go oh shit he goes but don't worry about it i'm gonna go fix this and i'm like great 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 fart so this is a great start to like fixing your thing i'm like you're gonna go get a job he goes no i'm gonna open up another credit card i would have been like dude you're working the opposite direction you're not fixing the problem you're thinking the right way though so why why is it that a stupid YouTube kid that's 30 years old as a Syrian is understanding the decisions that our check, like our, our leaders are making, yeah. but nobody, like our church that is Suraya, yep. nobody wants to stand up and be like, hey man, you're wrong. Let me give an example. Donald Trump. I didn't vote for him and I didn't vote against him. 
I'm not a voter. I, 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 I truly don't. I think right now in my stupid mind, I feel like there's just a lot of manipulation. So my vote is not even going to matter. But how weird is it that I can't, if I wanted to vote for Trump, I can't go right now and be like, yeah, I, I vote for Trump because then I lose sponsors. I lose fans. I lose this. We can't stand up for our country and say, hey, I really believe that this person is so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so because of the fear of what other people think of me. And then we have to be worried about money being taken away from you. This is the land of the free, but the home is an empty crib. There, there is no freedom if you can't really speak about how you want to speak. How do we get to a place where I could have my peers, my enemies, and my friends speak freely? And so, because like now, like when I see somebody go, oh, he's a fucking idiot. Like, for example, I don't think Biden should be president. Not because of his policy. I truly think this man's not in a state right now where he should be a, a president. I'm not going to bash him. I don't know what he's done enough for me to bash him. But when I hear my friend go, fuck Biden, he can't talk about, there's nothing good that comes out of that. Either bring something to the table that could help our country go up or shut the fuck up. There's no reason for you to be talking shit about somebody. There's, there's nothing's going to benefit from that. How do we get to a place where I could call you out? Hey, Pat, I don't like the way you spoke about that, bro. You need to hold yourself accountable. How do we get to this place? Because right now I'm getting to a place, like, I'm looking at where our country's going and I'm like, bro, like, I don't, I don't know where to go. The one move that I made that, thank God, I made before I even started my career is money won't be the motive. I've lost a lot of money because I want to stand on the principles that God want me to stand on. But you know what came from that? Maybe not the Lamborghini. Maybe not the mansion yet. Maybe not the watch. Maybe not the whatever the fuck it is. But you know what I have that a lot of my friends don't have? That I don't give a fuck what you feel about me. I'm going to say how I feel. You can't buy me. You can't buy my mouth. How do I get people that watch this podcast to know that it's more valuable to stand up for what you believe in yeah. versus what people think you are. Listen, man, this it's so so. I got so many things to tell you, and, and we'll make this the last thing, and I, and then we'll we'll uh, 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 go to the house because the kids are waiting. But uh, I will tell you this. So one for you, okay? I don't think it's cool what they're doing to you with your school loan, and you're like, man, I'd love for us to pay this off, et cetera, et cetera. No problem. In the last twenty years, okay. Inflation, consumer price, you know, CPI, what's increased, stuff that we're buying, is up around 220%. Okay? So something that was, you know, that cost us 10 bucks, you know, whatever, in uh, uh, 20 years ago, today is 220% more expensive. College education today, it's 1,200% more expensive. Did it get 1,200% better? No, it's the same thing. Why the hell are you charging me? A thousand percent more than CPI. Oh, it's no longer school. It's now the ultimate capitalist, except what schools have that capitalists don't have is you guys don't pay taxes. You're freaking brilliant. So Harvard's sitting on how much on endowment? If you Google it right now, $60 billion. Why do you have $60 billion? Do you know Harvard can give free tuition for the next 100 years? They won't even feel it. How come they don't do it? I think I thought you were about education. Mm. Why, why, why? Oh, during COVID. Hey, since the kids are not staying on campus, can we pay less tuition since it's all online? No, you still have to pay full tuition. What? Yeah, that's what they did. Of course. Wait. Nobody you, fought that? No, you still have to pay for it. It's Harvard. Okay. So it's, it's a Harvard, you know, it's a, oh, okay, no problem. Great. I'm glad you did it. You know why? Because you exposed yourself. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Fantastic. You don't give a fuck about that. Exactly. So don't tell us your education. Just say you're a capitalist. Just say 
you are the most brightest capitalist out there because you, as much as you bitch about how much billionaires pay taxes, you don't pay taxes, bro. You don't pay taxes on a lot of stuff. Go look at the money that they don't pay taxes on, okay? Schools, what? What a freaking brilliant business. But let's trash the billionaire that doesn't pay. No, 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 you don't pay taxes. And you're sitting on $60 billion of cash. Go look at the top 10 endowments of universities. And you want to say, let's pay the debt off. Of course, college professors are going to say, let's forgive all the debt. You're not going to pay. Worry about it because you already got the money. You're not going to pay the money. We're going to pay the money. Who the hell are you to tell us? Let's, let's vote for this thing to be forgiven because it's the noble thing to do. How about you pay half of it? You have the money. Collectively, colleges, let's get all the money that you guys got in your bank. You pay half of it. Okay, now let's have a conversation. No, 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 no. That's not because we are this, this. Then, then be quiet when you say you're so noble because you're not. All you're doing is worried about your bank account, you endowment guys, that all this money you have in a bank. Perfect. Now, the other part is schools. Check this out. Kind of weird. Loans. An 18-year-old kid, if an 18-year-old kid with zero credit, what's the likelihood a bank's going to give this guy a $200,000 loan for a house? Very, very low. It's just not going to happen. But what's the likelihood a school. bank is going to give a loan? You know why? Because you can't file, file bankruptcy and not pay the school loan. Mm-hmm. They came out with a law that you have to pay the debt. What a freaking brilliant model. Everything else I can put on my BK except for my school loan? Yeah. Wow, you guys are so... So you really screwed up all these young kids that Strong you made them. them pretty much slaves to have to make these payments for 20, 30 years. What a brilliant move. You say we're anti-slavery. You're producing slaves by going to your schools financially. You know how much it sucks when you're slave to your $200,000 loan? Or so I totally feel a frustration for a guy like him that's going through it. Of course I feel it, but it's not your fault. It's not my fault, the taxpayer. It's the incentives that we have. And no one's talking about this stuff. Imagine it being in a, in, a, in a field that you're like, oh, I want to switch to this. But now you're like, well, fuck, dude. I can't switch now because I'm $200,000 in debt. And now this person is working in a career choice that he no longer wants to be, but he has to be there because he has to pay that. I mean, doctors go to school for, what, 10, 12 plus years. And then, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to make great money. They don't even get to make that money for 32, years. 30 years old, yeah. And, and then they That's have $400,000 of debt. So again, by the way, credit for their systems to be able to control tens of millions of people. What a system to control people. And you control them for 20, 30, 40 years. Fascinating how they've been able to do this and we all follow. Oh, what I got to do now is, yeah. Oh, shit. This, oh, my God. What is this all about? Okay. And then the other thing you talk about and say, I don't understand this. Why? Why is it set up this way? And why are they saying to do this and to do that? Well, because these politicians, man, the, the way you work, where you're like inflation, you know, we're printing money. And why are we okay with printing all this money and to pay the debt off? You know, I'm just a YouTuber. Why would I know this stuff? Very simple. Uh, George, the real policies that America needs to be a better nation would never get you elected. The policies that get you elected is to say, I'm going to give you free money. I'm going to give you free this. I'm going to give you free that. People don't realize it's short-term satisfaction, you know, versus long-term. You know, like, it, it, say, for, for instance, you're, uh, uh, I'm going to give you two scenarios. Your father's a disciplinarian. Mm. Get up, you better clean the bed. You better take the plate. You better do this. What would you say to your mom? I'm sorry, what did you just, no, no, no. 
Don't ever talk to your mom like that again. Let's go. I got to talk to you. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm. Mom and dad get a divorce. She marries another guy. You're 13 years old. He's now your stepfather. He comes in. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I didn't make the bed today. Oh, don't worry about it, man. I don't never make my bed. Okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't put the plate back. Ah, it's totally fine, man. Don't worry about it. Mm, you're going to despise like, oh, your hey, father. Hey, 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 mom. Hey, uh, uh, mom, shut up, mom. You don't know what you're talking about. You know what? You're right, bro. I agree the same way with your mom. You know what just happened? Now you like him because mm -hmm. he's warm and fuzzy. Now you're like, screw my freaking dad. I can't. I'm so happy he's not in my life anymore. This one. No and wonder it, mom left yeah. him. Hey, like, yeah. you know what? Hey, don't worry about it. Let's go smoke a joint, you and I. Let's, you and I do it. You smoke a joint for 13, 14 with your stepdad. What a freaking cool guy. And your best friends are like, dude, I love George's dad. We smoke weed him all the time. We go to the house. My mom won't let me, but we go smoke. And he also knows how to get the smell off my clothes. So when I come home, my mom's not going to smell the weed. I freaking love George's stepdad. But you like him for how long? For 10 years? 20 years? And then you're 35. And now you realize, screw that guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you flip it. So how do you, how do you teach the sheep? It's going to take a couple years of talking making sense for people to say, I want high standards. Look, eventually, what we all realize, everybody wants to be led. Everybody. Why did Tate all of a sudden get picked up and go viral? Because the stuff he was saying, younger boys and men and grown men were saying, finally someone's saying some of this stuff. You know what? Yeah, why don't, like, you know, why am I watching? It's making, it's making sense. It's making Okay, I don't agree with that. Okay, but I good. So I don't. But but ten things he says, I agree with eighty percent. Someone's finally saying this stuff. Yeah, we want high standards. We want expecting. We want somebody to challenge us. That crowd who has been high as a kite for decades is waking up, mm. and now they're saying there's more of us out there. Yes. Yesterday I'm over here, we're finishing up a shoot, and Mario and I are outside. Guy pulls up the car. He starts running up to me. I'm like, oh shit, Mario. Hey. You ready? You ready? And let's, let's see what this guy's going to do. Okay. It comes up closer, 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 closer. Hey, man, I'm so sorry. I just want to say I've been following this content. I got to tell you, freaking life-changing. I hope you continue. Bah, 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 bah. I'm like, okay, so, bro, you, the way you walked up was a little, you know what I'm saying? Okay, totally fine, okay. <laughs> he says, I, he says hey, you know what, but let me tell you, man, they're ruining America. They're ruining this. I said, bro, they want you to talk like that. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know something. He says, what's that? You know what's the crazy thing about what's happening right now? He says, what? I said, this is scary. He says, what's that? I said, I said the, the like-minded people are finding each other. It's so freaking awesome. Mm. And that scares the crap out of them. When I started my own insurance company, a guy comes to my office, and I'm watching to see what the other guys are saying about me as competitors. It's always easy to find out what people are saying about you when yeah. they're coming to you. And they said, hey, Pat, I don't know why. Here's all they're telling me. Go anywhere. We won't sue you. But if you go with Pat, we'll sue you. Interesting. Another guy comes next week, same line. Another guy comes next week, same line. Then I finally realize they're brilliant because they're better off having 50 people leave a company and have 50 different companies versus 50 people leaving and go to the same company. Oh, shit, that's a force to be reckoned with. They want all of us to be divided. They want Muslims and Christians to be divided. They want all these different people to be divided. They want to pin you against each other. But you know what's taking place right now? We're finding each other. Absolutely. We're saying, dude, listen, man, I don't agree with you on 95% of stuff or 82% of stuff or 70 but the stuff that I agree on, that's the stuff that's important in my life. Let's roll. You ready? Let's roll it up. You good? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, let me introduce you to Jack. Oh, shit. That, he's like, yeah. There's 20 of us now. There's 48 of us now. There's 100 of us. Now. There's 1,000 of us. What the hell is going on? Boom. So that, that's the freaking exciting part 
that yeah. these true believers are finding each other. And it's going to take us a decade or two or three to address this. But eventually, if we stay solid, we set a good example, we lead with faith and hope. One day we're going to wake up and we're going to be 70 years old, 75 years old, looking back saying, hey, my man, we did a good job. Hey, my man, we did this. Hey, guys, freaking mm -hmm. great. All right, guess what? Now, guys looking down and saying, hey, proud of you guys. You left this thing better than the others did. Now, just make sure you don't spoil the next generation so they become pansies. Toughen them up as well. Don't let them live an easy life. Let them also have some challenges. So they're going to pass this tradition to the next generation and the next generation and the next yeah, generation. Absolutely. And even, I'm so sorry. No, go ahead, please. So, and even now too on, you know, when I watch certain videos about, you know, certain political things that are happening or certain things in schools that are happening. And then I look at the comments and I always see a Christian that has a comment and then underneath a Muslim will be like, us Muslim brothers have, you, you know, your Christian's backs. And I see this on, I've seen this on, I think every video that has to do with schooling, politics, whatever it. it might be. They're, they're uniting. All, yeah. I love it. I'm going to end it with this. One, I really appreciated your time. Our ancestors, the Assyrians, created the wheel. And our mindsets are, uh, are rolling right now. And I, and I hope and I pray that our next generation, we keep the wheel rolling. Man. My man. Thank you so My much. <laughs> Thank you so Brother, much. Brother, this was great. Thank you so much. Yes, really enjoyed it. This was fantastic. This is awesome. This is good. <laughs> how Bye long, guys. How long was this? Uh, a, a little over, oh maybe two and a half hours or something it, like that. It was it really good. Felt like yeah. this was great. Yeah. <laughs>